You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now! Immigration scene Shining and feeling clean Could it be a sin? I got stopped By the immigration man He said he doesn't know if he can Let me in Let me in Immigration man Can I cross the line and break? I can stay another day With his immigration face Giving me a paper chase But the sun was coming Cause all the boss He looked into my space Stamped a number over my face And he sent me running Won't you let me in Immigration man Can I cross the line and break I can stay another day My immigration form is big enough to keep me warm When a cold wind's coming So go where you will As long as you think you can You better watch out, watch out for the man Anywhere you're going Come on and let me in Immigration man Can I cross the line and pray Take your fingers from the train Down to it, yeah, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. Coming up a little later on in the program, our good pal Graham Nash. Graham has a, uh, a book out called Wild Tales. It's available in stores and online. And Graham will be signing books at the Strand Bookstore in New York City Monday, September 30th. At 7 p.m. Uh, as you know, sometimes they tour. Uh, well, Graham will go out by himself, and then it'll be uh, Crosby and Nash. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. But there's one thing that everybody always hopes for, and that is... Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. But it's probably not going to happen. But 
It looks very, very close right now. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Bennington. And it'll be what? the same harmonies that you love, but a little more attitude. A little snarkier and, you know, ripping stuff from the headlines. Uh, which, by the way, slayed this week. The new sounder, the way we set up, the Friday bit. Fantastic. Now, uh, we are taking off tomorrow uh, for personal reasons. But Monday starts the million days of Christmas. We are getting the Christmas jump. Every day we're giving out a great prize as part of the million days of Christmas. Holy shit. Now, uh, as usual, we'll uh, start off our show, too, with a bowl of cinnamon uh, toast crunch. Uh, the favorite cereal of the Ron Fez show. Chris Stanley, could you do me a favor? Sure. Because this stuff is delicious. Right? I mean, it's a great combination of flavor. Do me a favor. Flavor. Give some to Pepper Hicks. I want everybody to have a chance to eat today. Chris Stanley, Pepper Hicks. This stuff is delicious. I'm just going to spill some on the fl floor because I don't even think I can finish it all. Mmm. It's, it's crunchy, but it gives a cinnamon kick. And it's fun to eat while I watch my cartoons. Uh, Cinnamon cr Toast uh, Crunch, long-term sponsor of the Ron and Fez show. My God, that's delicious. Right? It's a little crunchy for me, so I, le I like to uh, let it just get soggy as I can. Yeah, like it almost turns into a sludge by the end of it, and I just slurp it up. Wait, hold on. Um, uh, Powerpuff Girls are on. I want to give them a quick look. Why I eat my cereal. Sometimes when I don't want to talk to my brother, I put the two boxes of cereal up in front of me and just keep my head down. And what I call the Great Wolf cereal boxes. And then people know he's in one of his moods. All right. The Ron and Fez show uh, up and running. Uh, Graham Nash uh, will be uh, by later on. I think this is his third time on our show today's the day we see if they want to do Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Bennington CSMB I'll do it you put it that way I wonder why it couldn't be Bennington, Stills, Nash and Cross and then Young make it the five of us <laughs> I'm also learning how to play bongos well you shouldn't even say bongos it's a single bongo it's just the i had two bongos but one of them got burnt so i just pulled it off and i just had the single bongo and i just bongo along when things are happening that works i mean i mean the fucking band's gonna do great chris yeah where's pepper <laughs> see thing is the same person <laughs> how many years have you been here seven okay i've been including internships seven years with the ron and fez show on the channel. Um, so, yeah, Graham Nash later, which is always uh, extremely, extremely fun. Um, Chris Stanley, here's a story right off the bat. How many joints a year do you think that you smoke? <sighs> Holy shit. I love smoking joints. I smoke almost every day. I'm going to guess 250. You honestly smoke a joint by yourself almost every day of the year. Yeah, majority of the week. I'll, yeah, that's how I. I don't have a bowl anymore. I just I just roll up a joint. Yeah. And you smoke the whole joint by yourself. Yeah. 
and you don't don't you have that urge when you smoke a joint by yourself to pass because that would always be a problem of mine uh, I, even when I was a kid like I'd be like on vacation with my family and I'm like I'm gonna take a walk through the woods and I'd fucking smoke a joint but I'd be sitting there like on a fucking log like an idiot I'd take it off a joint I just fucking pass it out into the air <laughs> something a little sad you know what I mean like no one ever thinks of any other kind of drug that, you know, uh, um, I shouldn't do this alone, but, um, you are above the average of most marijuana smokers. Oh, Jesus Christ. Most marijuana smokers, um, will only smoke 137 joints <laughs> a year. Now, by the way, I say only, but that sounds like an incredible amount to me. One every three days, three and change. Yeah, and I don't think they set it off that way. I think most people tend to smoke on the weekends, unlike you. Well, yeah, you, you know you'd be kicked out of every sports league <laughs> that there is right now. That's fucking depressing. Well, I love I love lining up these joints, but uh, the two weeks ago when Rob stopped by and gave us the, the fucking cannabis chews, the cheaper chews. Rob Cross did that? No, no, different Rob. Different okay. Rob. From I don't a... think you should out him <laughs> since he works for a big company, but go ahead. Uh, there, was, there was these cheaper chews. They were just caramel fucking blocks. I ate a third of it, maybe, maybe even less, before I was going to sleep, like late night. I pass out, and I wake up fucking baked out of my mind. <laughs> like, I'm, I wake up and I'm blitzed stoned off of just eating a tiny bit of caramel right before I go to sleep. And I wake up and I'm fucking high for like six or seven hours into the day. See, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like that fucking game because it means that you were high throughout your entire sleep. Yeah. And I don't know what weird dreams and REM stuff that puts in. But why did you feel the need? I guess you were so tired or drunk at the time, and you thought, I'll just have a little bite of this. Exactly, yeah. See what it does. And I woke up just out of my fucking mind. I got. Well, was that a work day? No, 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 no. Because was... you're going to start piss testing. <laughs> no, please don't. It was I'm going to piss test you because I don't think you get as high as you actually play. <laughs> I'm going to say that you're one of those guys who thinks you do more than you do. Oh, no, I, I'm smoking. I don't have a bowl at home. I'm smoking joints every almost every day. That's how I get my herb on. Um, here's James in North Carolina. You're on the Manifest Show. So you mentioned 137 joints. How much quantity wise? I don't really smoke J's. I, I prefer my bowl or, or. What are you, girl? I smoke a shitload. I will fucking put anybody under the table. But why can't so, you learn to roll a fucking joint like a guy? Because when you're fucking driving around, a joint fucking sets you up to get busted like a motherfucker. So and a little fucking bowl doesn't? A bowl's worse! More people smoke cigarettes while they're driving than fucking smoking a corncob pipe. I, I always believe yeah. this. If you can't roll a joint, you don't deserve the fucking smoke a joint. <laughs> and don't well, give me any of those fucking long. shitty, goddamn fucking salt water taffy joints. And also, don't hand me a fucking uptown toothpick. <laughs> I never saw... You know, Jamaicans have this famous thing of these fat, disgusting... Giant spliffs. ...hoagie-sized joints that are too ridiculous. <laughs> So why does every other black guy smoke the tiniest toothpicking joint there is? I don't get it. I fucking roll up a nice fatty for myself. Um, here's uh, Maximum in Idaho. You're on the Run of Fez show. 
Hey, Ron, it was just so hilarious. It was almost serendipitous that you were talking about how many joints somebody smokes right when I finished rolling up a joint for the morning. I'd have to say, I don't know, 365. You think you smoke a joint every day of the, of the year? What's a, what's a joint? Probably a gram? Mm, probably pretty close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the initial thing that came out here, uh, I think this also could tie in very closely with our unemployment <laughs> numbers as well. Because I don't the think that you can smoke pot every day and still do a job that requires any kind of concentration. The wake and bake thing. I, I try I, on the weekends. I'll wake and bake. I'll wake up and fucking smoke. On the yeah. weekdays, I, I don't. Did you do that before school? <laughs> oh, during school, yeah. I, would I do. couldn't bear the thought of walking into school without being high on something first. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking it just, great. It was like it was almost like going to a dentist without Novocaine. That was the best. Going to the school, fucking whacked. Um, here's Frank. You're in Savannah. You're on the Run of show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, just one question. I've got to assume it's safe to say that there has never been, nor will there ever be, a drug policy testing policy where you guys work. Well, you can't do that in radio because you're expected to be high and listen. You you can't like the program directors for the music stations. Yeah, they have to smoke pot as part of their jobs, or mm -hmm. else you can't sit there and listen to music. Oh God, yeah, you can't be that far apart <laughs> from your audience. Um. So, no, obviously, uh, if I was running a radio station, any of my music directors, my program directors, would be forced to smoke marijuana. <laughs> and anyone who goes to rehab, we'd have to let them go or move them over into the accounting department. Or dose them. Or even worse, sales. <laughs> um, which is more of a Coke uh, room. Now, uh, we got an email last night that I'm going to use as a weekender because we have such creative, creative uh, listeners. Um, it's up on the iBang right now, Chris. And why don't you just um, read off this weekender question because I want to, it's from John, and I do want to get it um, totally. Uh, by, by the way, while you're doing that, I, I want you to take this public service call. Thomas in in Colorado, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, hey boys, so the Chiba Chews, you know, they're the size of a Tootsie Roll, and it'll tell you it's, you know, one or two servings. It's like five or six servings, because that stuff, it's an acid flashback waiting to happen. That's what I found out. Well, I've always found that anytime that you ingest uh, hash or anything to be very trippy too. Oh uh, yeah, it's a it's a different for high. People who have tripped before. Yeah, I think once your brain knows what the acid high feels like, that similar highs will take you to that place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it works that way for people who don't, because I know that people who never did acid smoke a lot more pot than people who did acid. People who did acid are like... Mm. <laughs> you bring me back to a place? Yeah, you go back to a place you might not necessarily want. Alright, let's uh, play the sounder and uh, let's read off this Weekender question. Sounder's coming soon. Great. The Weekender. Did you ever sit down with your friends and categorize bands by the drugs that they're best identified with? What drug is your favorite band? Alright, so basically what he's saying is you think of bands as drugs. 
Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. What drug would each band be, or what drug goes along with it? Um, fish. Chris Stanley yeah. is. I feel fish is mushrooms. Mushrooms above all else. Might get weed. Weed. They could be weed. And a lot of people started rolling during fucking fish shows, even though. That's moved over into different categories. Yeah, dance music now has a hold on Molly. I would uh, put the, let's say right off the bat, Beatles are an LSD or marijuana band. Yeah. Period. That's it. Uh, The Velvet Underground, heroin. (laughs) That dope. Miles Davis, heroin. Most jazz, (laughs) heroin or marijuana no. For the less inqu- inclined. But if you listen to Charlie Parker, and I don't know what it is, but I think when you're doing heroin, you don't want a lot of lyrics. <laughs> you just want to have feel a flow? Yeah, you want to be on that flow. <laughs> you want to ride it out. I feel um, like the, the doors are acid above all else. Kind of the whole ride the snake thing, I, I just associate that the fucking doors are acid. Yes, I'm going to agree with you there. But as we move along... They're almost more of an alcohol band. You're almost following Jim's thing. Because <laughs> the last two albums in particular are not very trippy, but really drunk. You know? Yeah. Really uh, tequila, whiskey, in that area. <clears throat> um, Jimmy Buffett... <laughs> I would put as some kind of vaginal cream. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. But there are, if you think about it, uh, let's say that, that there are some bands that you almost think of as cocktail bands. Like, if, let's say, Billy Joel, for example, All right. you're going to be paying too much money for some kind of cocktail. Yeah, and uh, I think, like, so I think there's some bands that are like wine bands. Like a band that, you know, you want a glass of wine while you're listening. A lot of the girls like the Carly Simon thing, yeah, you know it. what I mean? <laughs> that you think of girls sitting around drinking uh, wine. Or maybe some kind of shitty apple teeny. You know what I mean? <laughs> One of those... A girl drink. Yeah, a girl weird uh, thing. Um... I know of a band that's literally called Pink Martini, that they're just made so white people can sit on a picnic blanket and just have a nice Shiraz. Now, but you could also look at the band itself, like there are a lot of speed metal bands that I think of uh, as meth bands, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why anybody else would do anything else but think that way. Rick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I discovered Metallica and methamphetamine in Southern California in the early 80s. So oh, very, very good me. call. This is up on the iBank today, by the way, if you'd like to jump into this. Ty, in Kansas, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yes, yeah, sublime and heroin. That's what I think of when I think of sublime. So. I think that they really are a marijuana They're or weird. even a mushroom band. I get the fact that he did heroin. That's it. He's just associating the death with, right. with with the music. The music was that wasn't heroin music at all. Um, but I don't even think of him as acid, but maybe some gentle shrooms. Sure. And you know, California medical weed. Yeah. Uh, Jr. in Los Angeles, California, home of the Doors. 
What's up, boys? Hey, buddy. Hey, I just, hey, I just want to say that uh, I'm almost 40 years old. I started smoking weed when I was 13. And honestly, for real, I've probably smoked between three to five joints a day every day and have from the time I was 13. Not even have taken a, a, a couple days off. Maybe once in a while, once in a blue moon. I couldn't even tell you when the last time I took a day off. My oh, point is... And what kind of work do you do? Is it a lawn care business? No, 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 no. It's heavy uh, graphic design and, and, and programming. So I kind of got to be yeah, in, the, in You head. know what? That's a very interesting point. With a lot of people working in programming, and you're coming up with designer ideas, it's the same thing that I said about the music business. You want these guys to smoke a little bit of marijuana. Now, I couldn't be a program director or a music director, because I don't like to smoke pot. I find it annoying. When that I, lose its potency after 27 years of smoking that much? No. Well, over no. those 27 years, pot's gotten really fucking strong, too. It, it, it gets stronger, and then I also... That's like saying wouldn't fucking alcohol lose its potency. It doesn't fucking <laughs> happen. If anything, once your liver starts to kick out, you'll get drunk faster. You'll see those guys will get fucking drunk on a rolling rock. Start fucking swinging at people. Uh, Craig, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron. Every every time, like, Southern Rock bands, Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, Almond Brothers, those got to be weed, weed bands. Well, that's what I smoke when I listen to them. But. Well, but you also have to remember, uh, I think of them as Jack Daniels bands yeah. as well. Uh, you yeah. want to be holding... Um, a bottle of fucking Jack in your hands. Never uh, been a drinker. I just been a weed guy, man. And, and then I, I would certainly also put weed there. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think mushrooms also fall into that. Yeah, if you uh, jam bands are very good for mushrooms. The Weekender question is up, giving away a great prize. It is a signed copy of Twenty One Twenty South Michigan Avenue, signed by George Thorogood. Um, Thurgood is just alcohol. Booze, straight up booze. Yeah, yeah you're drinking fucking whiskey. Yeah. You're getting messed up. Um, or beer. <laughs> I can see that is very much of a, you know, just a beer guy. Because he gets a lot of bikers. All right. And there's a lot of beer, uh, whiskey, tequila plays its role into that. <laughs> um, here's uh, Garth. Garth, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey guys, uh, with the Grateful Dead, it has to be LSD, you know, back in the uh, 60s with Timothy Leary and that whole uh, start. Well, they were on, even before fucking Timothy Leary, they were, you know, part of the uh, the Kool-Aid things. Uh, I would put, uh, to be honest here, quite a few drugs with the dead. Uh, most of them psychedelics, so. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. I mean, they're definitely also peyote. Jesus, a lot of yeah. the Western things I think of as peyote bands, too. Um, here's uh, Adam. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, Allison Chains, I feel like, has got to be heroin. It's just this total pit of despair that there's no escape from. Oh. Do I think... I mean, I know... Do you really want to 
I don't know, get doped up and listen to Alice. I I wouldn't. I I would. I don't wouldn't associate heroin. Where were you gonna go with the gr- grunge bands? I think they're bringing up because some of the singers. Yeah. Fucking heroin. I think even you want to fucking get a little gacked if you're listening to a bunch of fucking grunge. Cause oh, he, I don't think so. I don't think of them as gacked music at all. This uh, gentleman here has a perfect gack band though. Ryan in Los Angeles, California, home of the Doors. Ronnie D, million bucks. Million bucks, my uh, friend. Steely Dan, cocaine. I think of uh, Steely Dan much, very, very much as a cocaine band. I've noticed we also haven't come up with a free bass band as of yet. I would normally put that with uh, some of the early rap bands. Um, here is uh, Joe. Joe, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, uh, Van Van Halen is weed and uh, Jack Daniels. I actually think that's a pretty good call on on that band. I agree with the Jack Daniels. I don't know if I want to get high and listen to Van Halen, like Stone, and listen to Van Halen. You don't think that their their fans smoke I, weed? I never associated weed smoke with Van Halen. I thought straight up Jack Daniels. Um. All right. Here is, uh, here's, uh, let's go to Ryan in the Bronx, show the run of Fez show. Um, what's up, boys? I, so, Tool and heroin go hand in hand. If you haven't lived till you did a little coke and listen to a Tool album. But I just, while I was on hold, I just thought of one. Iron Maiden and cocaine. It's, um, I want to think poppers with Iron Maiden, but that might be, like, almost the prejudiced. <laughs> That I'm coming across <laughs> with there, I might have to want to to uh, check myself for that. Uh, Marshall, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, buddies. Yeah, I always associate Pearl Jam with antidepressants because Eddie Vedder's always bitching and whining about how bad his childhood was. That's actually not a bad call, and that's exactly when the uh, uh, antidepressants uh, started. That's when Prozac just fucking blew up. Yeah, it's uh, one thing I couldn't stand about grunge. All the whining. Well, everyone, you know, that I hate that, but I hate even more the whining about the whining. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's be- anything that becomes cliche, I tend to hate. Like, if anyone on the internet wants, I want my two minutes back from watching that YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've read it, you fucking hack. <laughs> yeah. I just I just watched the fucking uh, the Pearl Jam documentary, the 20, the Cameron Crowe one. Oh, yeah. I watched it the first time last weekend. That was a fucking great time for music. And now that I guess the backlash has started because people fucking grunge has gotten somewhat of a free pass for a long time. People saying how great it was. Well, here was the, the thing about that band and that documentary. There was zero arc. <laughs> it was just you know what I mean? Fucking... Well, yeah, it was straight up. Yeah. They were big. But also, there wasn't some amazing change to the music. When you watch anything about the Stones, the Beatles, you're like, holy shit, <laughs> Bowie. Like, what? They turned around and they changed themselves. And, yeah. and they just, they sounded great at the beginning. And the albums that they put out now that people say that they don't like, if they would have put out at the beginning uh, may have um, been giant giant sell- sales back in those days. They just sound like the same. Uh, David, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's going on, guys? I just yeah. kick back and I'll listen to some, have some uh, beer and cigarettes. 
Kinks is beer and cigarettes. Oh, it's an interesting call. The Kinks are a tough one for me. I wouldn't know exactly where to put them. I, I don't know. I, I never associate with. I never associate them with any drugs. So I get. I have to go alcohol. Maybe like scotch. Listen to the Kinks. I don't know. That's a fucking tough call. That is a very very uh, tough call. Uh, Red Bear, you're on the Run Fed Show. Hey, Rocky, uh, for me, anytime I hear the village people, I just picture leather chaps and ale poppers, man. It's great, but I just did that bit a couple minutes ago, so, you know, I don't know if we want to go back to it so fast. Um, Chris, do you think marijuana slows your life down at all, or are you glad that you smoke pot? I'm happy that I smoke pot. I think it's, it's like a releases some pressure. It's actually the least uh, aggressive thing that, that you do yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it mellows, it mellows you out at the end of the day. And the, the cinnamon toast crunch tastes just fantastic after you've had some. God, yeah. Um, Dutch, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddies, and Hicks, you son of a bitch. How's everyone there? Hey. Hey, I've, I've got a little bit of a random one, but uh, I was going to say the Smiths and or Marcy and Vicodin. Oh, that's it, a it, fucking it. great call. <laughs> that's very much of a Vicodin thing to me. Um... Bill, you're on the Run Fed Show. Definitely Black Sabbath and cocaine. Black Sabbath is a strange... That's another strange one. Part of me feels like maybe it's acid a little bit, too, with Black Sabbath. It's, it can get kind of Early weird. Early, maybe. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to be tripping and listening to Black Sabbath all night. Like, let's face it, there are some bands that you can do... Acid too, and feel like, well, this is a you know, this is fucking helping things. Yeah, it's a nice fun clearing the path a little bit. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, King Crimson are going to do another fucking tour. That's awesome. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it's their eighth uh, band configuration. That's fine. Give it to me. Where did Fez go? I don't know where Fez went. He's been in a mood today. Um. I am going to give you a thing that I thought of with Black Sabbath, and it may not be 100% correct, but Angel Dust. Jesus I think Christ. that's a weird, dusted place that you want to go to. It's aggressive, yeah. it's fucking, and it's dark. That's pretty much what, that's pretty much Angel Dust. Aggressive and dark. Uh, Ravi Shankar, I think Hashish. There oh. are certain weird things. That you want to do a particular hash high to. I feel like um, I remember listening to Portishead and eating Xanax, which is That's fucking weird. real weird. But it's like kind of like down music, mm. and you know, fucking Xanax is a fucking great down. Um, James, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, buddies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, me and my friends went to see uh, Lettuce at Stage 48 not too long ago. That was the uh, the show that did the All James Brown set. And the amount of cocaine we did to that shit was just, oh my God. It was perfect. You and your son? I said my people. Oh, I okay. I got, um, um, Scott, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Um, uh, for me, with bands, I think it's REM and Weed. Uh, 
we saw him at the Spectrum in 97, and we sat in the second upper deck, and I didn't even need to get my own weed out. I got such a contact high as soon as that concert started. I've always thought of Ari Emin as a Midal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just something to take down the cramps. <laughs> um, but that's me. Uh, Smith in Minnesota, you're on the Run and Fed show. I think there's a geographical element to this, too. Like, when I think of dust, I think of East Los Angeles and, like, Black Flag and bands like that. And for the South, you got, like, Chief Speed, too. See ya! Uh, Black f uh, f Flag, to me, is uh, nothing. Really? Because their whole thing of don't, you know... Oh, yeah, the fucking... The Henry Rollins. Don't yeah. break edge. Uh, to me, that was the, the first person who, who thought, who acted like the straight edge was the cool thing to do. So if you are partying there, it seems like you are not paying attention <laughs> to the fucking message at all. Don't pollute your body. Um, Eddie, you're on the Run of Fez show. Monkey house? Monkey. Ronnie B, I'm going to have to go with Bjork and Huffing Paint. Uh, here's Carl in Chicago. Uh, it's more so a question for you fellas, but... What drug would you associate to the band Guar? Oh, I, this is a perfect one for me. It's so. when you buy paper asset, but yeah. you got ripped off. <laughs> so you think you're doing something that's real, and it turns out to be fake and nothing. Just that's how I think of. Shitty, and you end up angry at the end of the day. What else? Like, uh, I mean, I guess if you come up with a, uh, a, a drug for Guar... It's what would the Muppets eat? <laughs> um, the second time in two days that Guar's come up. Kid Kelly asked me who Guar was yesterday. <laughs> he didn't know. He was like, "Who are those guys? They're like Kiss, but they're scarier." <laughs> Guar. That's it. <laughs> and he's like, "Wait, Kiss, this? but scarier." That's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever heard. And then he was like, uh, "What's Guar stand for?" I got. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, is you, it an acronym? You just look like a Guar fan, <laughs> which is kind of embarrassing. That's fucked up. Uh, Larry, you're on the Run Fed show. Yeah, I got a, I got a pick five for Yes and Pink Floyd. You, you'd want the whole gamut. You'd want weed, coke, blues, alcohol. No, that's stupid. It's only LSD. Yeah, it's There's acid. nothing but LSD. Open your mind, man. Maybe today's rap, they'd go with that scissor. No, dude. In. Rap is fucking. For some reason, every rapper now is just obsessed with Molly. They're Love just Molly. fucking constant. Every Drake, all, all the big rappers are just constantly fucking dropping Molly references. It's really fucking weird. Because it was only like fucking fish tour kids and disco biscuit fans that were fucking eating Molly back ten years ago. And what? I wonder what made the rappers even get into it. I have. I think maybe because it's just that new shit. I don't know. I never heard rappers fucking rap about ecstasy. And that's what, basically what Molly is. It's, it's, I find it's the weirdest fucking thing. All right, it's up at the weekend, or what drug is the band? And um, you basically look at a band and say to yourself, uh, what drug are they? Not necessarily what the lead singer died from. No, that, 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 that fucking does not, that shouldn't count. It's hard, though. <laughs> it's a fucking hard thing. Because if... I don't think that the guys from Pink Floyd ever said that they did acid. You know what I mean? Yeah, they I don't, they, they're they never didn't. like a pro-drug thing or any drug references. Um, 
Steely Dan is filled with weed, <laughs> cocktails, coke, <laughs> and even some acid references. <laughs> I think I'm fucked up. All those hair metal bands, you think that's just straight booze? Mm. Booze and marijuana, that yeah. kind of is Southern California. You know, there's always marijuana in the I, mix. I associate, like, cocaine with those 80s hair metal bands. Maybe it's because I'm associating with the 80s, maybe? I, but as always, I just always think fucking cocaine, like, backstage drinking whiskey and doing coke. Yeah, there was that, but... I don't think... All right, if you're going to put really stepped on coke, like really shitty street coke, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where there's other bands that you're going to think of pure All right. pharmaceutical coke. <laughs> Jesus. Like with the Steely Dan, you feel like you've got a connection to some fucking it's weird dude with pure, right? who came in that almost seemed like those weird dudes that were with the fucking monk yesterday. <laughs> yeah, there's two weird white guys with him yeah. that you're like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they just fucking take out a dropper and they get some fucking acid and they're like, you're not, please be careful with this. You know, they got thick glasses and shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, I didn't even think that these guys got high. What's happening right now? And then, yeah, this is really going far. Um, but I might, you know, be singling in too much <laughs> when I get to that. Um, Chip, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I mean, I can think of it as the Carpenters and associate uh, diet pills and uh, toothbrush handles. Um... It's a cute little joke, and, you know, I get it, but I would think of the Carpenters, really, if you just look at their music, as some kind of milk and cookie. You know what I mean? Like, a, and then the Bisco, not even a fresh bake. I never I never associated the Carpenters again fucked up. But Richard Carpenter, the brother, because uh, she was doing speed because she was worried about her weight, and then he, uh, in the movie, said he had a Quaalude problem. Jesus Christ. He was just eating Quaaludes. It's like a nice rocking chair. Could be classified as a drug. Maybe that's what the Carpenters. Um, Jay, you're on the Run of Fez show. A million bucks is always Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, uh, just so you know, real quick, yesterday, Goat's Head Soup, 40 years ago yesterday, turned gold. Wow. That's weird. Uh, Zappa and either Freebasin or Trippin. Well, Zappa, the fans, did a lot of acid. Frank, on the other hand, just smoked cigarettes. Yeah, he was totally sober, right? Yeah. It's weird because this motherfucker was brilliant. Dachshund intoxicated says tidal wave. Anything under the sun, man. Anything goes with those guys. Break me out another Capri Sun. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind right now. It's just something to get that gacky cinnamon toast crunch out of my throat. I like all my beverages in pouch form. <laughs> um, here's uh, Michelle. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, uh, back to the hair bands. I'd say wine coolers. That's actually a funny fucking statement. I yeah, I don't. Oh, Hicks has a whole different vibe. I always thought them to do the you know fake Jack Daniels, ice tea in a Jack Daniels bottle. Um, let's go over to uh, Kevin. You're on the manifest show. Hello again, sir. Hey, back when I was smoking pot, I always. Put on Moody Blues or Kraftwerk. Just <laughs> Kraftwerk. <stoned> out. <laughs> <What the> fuck. 
Just Germans fucking chanting. It's, it's fucking bizarre. How fucking... Uh, what were you smoking pot a half century ago? <laughs> and then he gave it up. The Moody Blues. <laughs> Look at this. The lovely Janice from Chicago. Hi, gentlemen. Hey, um, I was actually calling because... To roll a joint, too, you got to use a single paper. And then 10 days till I'm in Pinellas Bay, Florida. Oh, nice. Uh, heading down. Um, what do you plan on doing for fun, Janice? Well, um, my girlfriend's going down with me for a week because she can only go for a week. <laughs> then my mother and father in law are going to drive me home. So I'm looking forward to that because road trips always. Yeah, as close as you are, you do a road trip, you're even closer. Yeah, close enough to kill. Yeah, I did tell him I want to go <laughs> to uh, Ybor City to smoke a cigar. Oh, no! What? <laughs> I didn't tell him that it's, I usually smoke cigars listening to the doors or Steppenwolf and wearing Mike's leather. <laughs> do you really and put Mike's like, leathers on? Yeah, when I'm sitting by myself, I do. You sweetie. Well, I try to, if I could channel them, you know. Aww. But I also want to tell Chris that when I run across it, I, I have a, a Marlboro boat. It's got oars and stuff. It's real cool. We used to take it down the creek. We used to call it the SS Homo. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. ah, a great name. <laughs> we take it down the creek, and then we paddle around Pinellas Bay with it. But I know I have it somewhere. I wondered if you want it, I'll send it to you come spring. No, no. The, the, the shipping alone, please, Janice, don't I do that. I want him to drown in the East River. I can't swim, but I will take it out if I have access to it. Why don't you learn to swim? I should. I can float. Oh, it's important. You know, it's funny. <laughs> That's all you got to do. I don't float. You know what? Yeah. You can't swim. You're just lazy. <laughs> Takes a lot out of you. My grandpa, when my mom was little, he threw her in the old world way to learn to swim, sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And she was always scared shitless of water, but she never let us know. We all went to swimming lessons. We always were at the beach. And then when we were all growed up, <laughs> she went by herself to the Y and learned how to swim. She was awesome. <laughs> you know, I don't remember anyone teaching me how to swim, but I don't remember not being able to swim either. Like, yeah. I don't have that thing. They must have started me uh, when I was just a baby because yeah. I don't have any recall about, you know, swimming. I remember almost drowning once. Like, the fuck, this, my parents apparently didn't want to fucking sign me up for swimming lessons, even though I almost drowned. I mean, I don't know what the fucking problem was. You know what their problem was. They had other interests. <laughs> you were a mistake. You were not a planned child. Oh, sorry, I cramped your style, Mom and Dad. The fact that they didn't give you away... <laughs> they probably see it as being a success. <laughs> Look what we did. Um, and I can't wait for Graham Nash. I got my notepad already ready. Oh, I love Graham. I went and bought uh, being a Rockefeller after the other day. Oh, did after, you? After that interview with Eileen, it was. You're the best, Ronnie. Oh, stop it, you sweetheart! Oh, you you are. be careful. <laughs> you be careful down there in Florida. Don't get. Eaten by an alligator, don't fall into a sinkhole, don't get caught up in some white supremacist crystal meth scene. You might get kidnapped by an oxy. Fucking. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I need, it's so funny because my uh, in laws are in amongst all, like where they live, it looks out onto the dances are. 
and the original owner of the property still lives there. Yeah. I think, oh, they would suck. Where he used to, you know, it was the marshland that couldn't sure. be developed. And now all these condos, and my father-in-law calls, it's a, it's a preserved uh, wildlife thing in the center. Mm-hmm. And he calls it the shit in the middle, which <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that, you know that shit in the middle. <laughs> but Dad, you live here because of that shit in the middle. <laughs> 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 he just kills me. All right, darling, I'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks so much, and I uh, can't wait for Graham. All right, bye bye, sweetie. Day. Love you. Um, now think of her husband, Mike. What if you live the type of life? That after you're gone, your chick sits there and listening to music and having a cigar and puts your old riding jacket on. That's for well, sure. I mean, he must have been the best guy ever. Yeah. He would have had to have been the best guy ever. A saint, sounds like. I can't picture anyone putting on one of your oh, old smoking jackets, Chris. <laughs> Come on, just at least lie and say yes, please. I don't see that happening. Just lie to me. Come on. I don't see that going down. So fucking sweet. Um, Dean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, at the next reunion tour, the, the drug of choice is going to be Merlot. Um, there is always that thing, isn't there? Where as the years go by, um, that's what people get into. Yep, going to the park and having some wines. Uh, when I was, I told you that 4th of July, I stopped for the Jackson Brown thing on the way back to the city. And there was just the the wine and cheese and food that people brought to this. Just nice spreads, right? Yeah. And at <laughs> some point of them, you were like, okay, years ago, they would have been trying to do this or that. But now they're just like, I need a little space in the back. And I brought, you know, all this shit. And you're like, it's just not enough. It's weird. And anything new, they would just start talking. And then anything that reminded them in 1974, they were, <laughs> you know, up and dance. Dr. Maya. Yeah, okay. So that one you know. Um, all right, we probably ought to take a break here. I want to stay out in front of the breaks. Uh, Graham Nash coming up in a little bit. He's got a new book, Wild Tales, uh, GrahamNash.com. Graham will be signing books at the Strand Bookstore in New York City, Monday, September 30th, 7 p.m. Uh, the other thing about Graham is that you really do see someone who had lived a lot better life than you. Like, if you think of the people that he hung out with and the places that he went to, you know, when there was just right before the scene started. Yeah. He wouldn't even have had to have been a great songwriter and musician and everything for you to go, oh, what a great fucking life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking, doesn't even seem real. It isn't. In a, <laughs> in a weird way, it isn't, it, it isn't real. It is not real. He left one really successful, cool scene and went to another one that became the really successful, cool scene. It shouldn't happen that way. I mean, it's it's fucking brilliant. Well, he was also in, I guess, the first supergroup where he went. We'll take a guy from one band, guy from another band, guy from another band, put them together, and everyone goes, "Oh, that's the greatest idea that ever happened." It's always funny when a supergroup doesn't work, though. Oh, like, it's great because it's so expected. You know, <laughs> it's so expected of like if you put 
great guys together. And by the way, when you put the great guys together, they almost always want to kill each other. You know well, yeah, I mean? they're the guy in their other band. Now they're yeah. with the uh, <laughs> just fucking button heads. Um, but uh, it it's it's a really fun read. Oh, and you know the chicks that he get. You know he's been with the most, some of the most famous, hot, creative women, and just a great life. He's a fucking man, dude. Just a great life, and he's a really, really great guy. This is his third time uh, stopping in, so that's a little later on in the show. We've got a lifeboat to play today, um, and also a new game show. Well, it's not really a game show; it's something we're, we're putting up. Uh, Called the Nip Game, and what's that? Called Match the Nip. No, it's not called Match the Nip. Uh, I don't think that's the name of it. Uh, but also, we're doing the Conan thing as well. Uh, I had to, you know, this Shelby is so creative, but he wrote one of the meanest fucking things yesterday. <laughs> I think I'll real and none of, none of my other boys like wrote back or were part of it. Mm. The ignoring that goes on is phenomenal when I send stuff out to everybody. But I guess that's been going along with getting the production stuff. You know, so much of that new stuff is is popping up. But um, the cruelty of you and what you're willing to say about particularly women. <laughs> uh, but when we get back. Uh, a story I want to talk about a little bit about this girl who got dumped by text, put the whole thing into a blog, and now it's all over the internet. Uh, I don't know why these young people feel this need to out each other constantly, but they do it. Up on the iBang under what? Uh, what's the story there? A lady loses her mind after being uh, dumped. Lady loses her mind after being dumped. We'll talk about that when we get back. It's uh, the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. up to you Riding along on a carousel Will I catch up to you Horses chasing Cause they're racing So near so far That is uh, the Hollies. The one and only uh, Graham Nash is stopping in here uh, later on today. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 
Uh, this is a new one for us. Chris disappears during the show. We don't always uh, get that. All right, so you know uh, a little bit about this girl, Shelby. She's got her own blog, right? And I guess she writes to people all the time. So she has this date with a guy. Uh, they date a couple of times. He texts her, this isn't working out. She puts all his stuff up and sell, sends it to his employers as a way of fucking up that he's... Is it sexting that she sent to his employers? Yeah. Was this more of a... What are you mad about? I just... The mic wasn't on. Mm. Um, so how exactly did it go down? Or was this Chris's story? Yeah, this I yeah I know about it. She sent like all this stuff to his employers, thinking, "Oh, look, look how bad he is." But it's really just showing that she's kind of unstable as well. Yeah, but your employees, your employers still might not want that, depending on the kind of a job. I mean, when you are a crazy fucking bitch, and you set out to ruin someone's job because you don't like the way they treated you. Even after you had it a couple of fucking dates. And then the fact that she puts it out there in the world as if, hey, girls, I got even for us all. It kind of shows how insane we've all turned. Yeah, I see this just on Facebook all the time that people just write, yeah, glad I, glad I dumped that slut. I'm totally better off about it. Like, But we know who these people are that you're talking about. Right. Like, they People complain that, oh... Like, why are you putting up your real personal business? But then they go and just do it themselves. I don't see how. And they just want people to agree with them. They're just putting it out there. Hey, agree with me. Reassure me that like, I'm the one right here. But, but it never happens like that. All right. But this whole thing about if someone breaks up with you by text and you don't see that as a thank God... I found out who they really are. Any uh, any other fucking way of dealing with that is insane yourself. Like, if you are so insane that someone broke up with you, that you are out to destroy their life or expose them for, you know, their kink or their fucking... What is wrong with you? You were with this person. You look like a fucking maniac. And after two dates, that's really the only way. Right, he didn't you leave should... you with kids. I mean, other than a phone call of, hey, I, I don't really, I mean, I like you, but I don't really think this is going anywhere. Other than that, a text is the appropriate way. It's not like you need to, <laughs> hey, bring her to, hey, we uh, went to a movie once, but... All right, yeah, here is a, are you breaking up if it's only two fucking dates? I don't don't even think that constant, I think a breakup would have to be just after months of dating. I would think that feels like a breakup. I've never dated, but two dates. Here's Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. I uh, just wanted to share a quick story. I went out with a girl early in the days of internet dating, like in the late 90s in Philly, and we met in Center City somewhere, and... Uh, it was an expensive date, and uh, she left me with the bill, like, you know, and she went to the bathroom and just and took off. But in the conversation, she told me where she'd be the next weekend. She'd be moving out of her apartment building, and she pointed out where that was. 
And that whole week, I was thinking about going over there and yelling at her. I didn't know what I was going to do. That whole week, I, I just fantasized about it, but I didn't do, ended up doing nothing. I think that you're so much better off for it. And I mean, uh, a girl who walked out on you during the dinner needs to be something that you have in the rearview mirror, man. That is not something you even want closure on. That's just good. That's done. It's over. Do you know how much power you will have in life if you're willing to put the past behind you if you don't make your past everybody else's fucking problems well 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 Chris Stanley comes in what are you doing rooting around looking for cinnamon toast crunch it's so good I just don't I can't run out of it or else I get pissed where you been all this time I had to run upstairs make some quick changes there's a little bit of production that's all just quick changes as to what the name of something Mm, the name of something. Mm -hmm. Oh, because the Nip game changed its uh, name? Yeah, that's all. Ah! <laughs> Just sliding in and out, that's all. Just took me a moment. I thought for sure you had walked out like <laughs> this girl did. <laughs> this, this woman is totally... This girl from D.C., I don't understand how someone could think they're so precious in this fucking world. Where it's just two dates with a dude that was being totally respectful to her as he broke up with her. Here's what he wrote in the text to break up with her. Hi, listen, I had a fun on Saturday night, but quite honestly, I'm in a state of flux right now. And I'm really not looking for a relationship. Sorry to be a downer before your birthday, but I have no doubt you'll quickly move on as you are a funny, smart, cool girl. Good luck. He couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> he comes off as a pussy. Fucking actually even said that. I don't think yeah. he should have brought up the birthday. I, I don't think it's any of our business. I think two people had something that never should have went up on the internet and never should have been us sitting down deciding who was right or wrong. It was a private thing between two people. If she even said to... I think if she said to her friend... This is what he said to me. What should I do? I think you're already a fucking asshole <laughs> that can't work out shit yourself. Like, and it, that's the way you're supposed to do it instead of maybe making something up, just playing some weird, vague reason. But he just said, hey, I'm just not into this. I, you're, you are a cool chick. I have no problem with you. He was lying. <laughs> yeah, as you do. You know, like when you say, have a good day, or thank you, this is great, you're kind of lying to be a nice person. It's, it's, I mean, this girl, I guess because she's a blogger, I guess that's her fucking job, where she just has a blog, as like a professional socialite, she, she, she's just using this. She's, I feel like she's just fucking making this so that she can get but fucking heat. Don't you think there's something wrong with a person like you, if you, if you have never, of course, you can... Ron, you know, my chick said this to me, and what's this supposed to mean? <laughs> I think that's being disrespectful to your chick. Yeah, you're supposed to work that out with the person you're with. There's no fucking tagging out and talking to your sister, your brother. That's fucking weird. How fucked up is your is whatever you're doing is that you can't handle it yourself? I mean, with the relationship in your life, that's, to that's totally yours to fucking own. I mean, you're the one who choose, you choose the people you want to be with. And they were just, they went on two dates. Yes, it's nothing. 
It's nothing. And yes, if you stuck a dick in your ass or mouth, that's up to you, honey. <laughs> Get fucking over it. Um, Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. I've, I've learned this the hard way. It only took one time for me to realize this, that when you break up with a girl who goes about this way, they're looking for one thing. They're looking for a fight. And I had to learn after one time that there's no nothing you can say that they're going to see your side of it. It's just a continuous fight. It's what they're looking for to drag it out of you. So like you said, rear view mirror this bitch, and you just don't, they don't get what they want, and you just don't even have to deal with the headache. And some of these girls, they act like if you date them for a week or two and you break up with them, that you, you're like... You're filing for divorce after 25 years and 10 kids. Yeah, you know what? The the thing is, if you went for, by her fucking point of view, right, then no one should date unless they're 100% sure, they want to commit to this person. Instead of a dowry. I mean, right. just fucking have a goddamn contract as soon as you meet someone. And just have, make it be a total business fucking opportunity. Now, I'm not also saying that in a short period of time, you can't have incredibly strong feelings for somebody. But this is something that we fucking have to understand as adults. When you have feelings, they are yours. Someone else doesn't make you have fucking feelings. Your hurt feelings are yours. They don't belong to some somebody else. So a girl didn't nag on you so much that you got drunk and got a DUI. That's your fucking DUI. She didn't fucking drive you so crazy that you beat up her dad. It's her fault. Okay? This doesn't fucking happen. And it's also not a responsibility that you're laying on your couch eating and drinking and can't get off of it because she hasn't called you back. That's fucking yours, dude. This this broad, uh, when she attacked him back after he broke up with her, she brags about having a condo. That's how she's like. She's got two published books in a condo, so maybe I am doing good. Fuck you and your goddamn apartment that you paid cash for. And the whole thing about being over 21 and still acting like your birthday is this day that everybody I despise has to stop. adult birthdays. I can't stand anyone who acts like, I can't believe I'm being treated like this and it's my birthday. I had a great adult birthday a few months back. The only way you would know is if you went back and listened to it. I mean, maybe like a 30, 40, 50, but if you're turning 33, hey, let's dial it back. But you can't have a special day as an adult. That's for <laughs> fucking five-year-olds. Stupid fucks. I feel like there's there are a lot of people like this, where they'll fucking blow this shit out of proportion crazy and she's like sending the sexy center to his job like it's what a fucking creep fucking with anyone else's work yeah because he sends from like his blackberry or whatever like his company phone and then she's like hope your fucking boss is like this it's two dates like you have fucking mental problems lady like she is fucking crazy but here's the weird thing with his bosses would you kind of judge like hey can we trust this new shelby he doesn't seem like he can work out um you know, his own love life, I'm not sure if he's ready to have that Chevrolet account. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there are guys who might think if you can't handle your chick... I mean, she might have fucked him up. Now, 
If I'm the boss, I'm going to go like this. <laughs> you dick. fucking idiot. Yeah. See this picture of your dick. And by the way, I'm sending it to your mom unless you fucking land the Chevy account. Everybody fucking thinks that excuses are somehow important. It's fucking weird, man. And I think it's just heading towards this way more and more. Like, p people are just fucking... They feel like they get spurned. And they, they have this thing, that's the internet, and they know they can put anyone on blast. They know they can fuck people up, and they have this thing I that's a tool to do you that. You know, here's the thing. I'm not sure now if the internet has helped us. And you know how people bitch about um, people texting? I was texting, walking across the street, slowly, and a guy was making a left-hand turn, and he yelled out, and this is a truck driver, show more motivation. That was his <laughs> thing. <laughs> I guess because he felt like I wasn't in the moment. And I actually, I, I hit send, I looked back at him, and I was going to, you know, yell, you know, the normal New York, fuck you, fuck stick. Or, oh, look, you got really far, you know, because he had stopped right there. But I thought about him, and I was like, he was correct. I was not motivated to walk across the street. I wasn't in this moment. That was pretty good fucking, I guess, heckle was what he would do. It was actually doing. a fine one. Speaking of heckling, did you see this story in DC Improv last night? A guy starts reviewing a show of a comedian yeah. during the show. And the comedian came over after the show and punched him in his fucking face. <laughs> Holy shit. That's fucking great. Now, this is some comedian. I, I am not aware of him. I had never heard of him. Yeah, he has like nearly 500,000 followers yeah, on Twitter. you can buy them. It's, yeah, for a G, you get like fucking well, 500, like a million, I think. I think that's <laughs> it. It's, it's, like, it'll take two months, but we will get you a million followers for $1,000. All right, so this is up on the uh, iBank, just going up on it. So, Shelby, you're up on stage... You get off stage, and naturally you check your Twitter and find some guy who's saying, oh, God, he's bringing back out his Katrina material. <laughs> another um, Asian joke. Uh, yeah, another mm. Asian joke. For, well, all right, read us the exact tweets. Dan Ninen was funny until he dusted off his 2005 Katrina jokes in a gratingly bad George W. Bush impression. Hashtag DC Improv. <laughs> Dan Ninen makes his umpteenth joke about how Asians can't distinguish between letters L and R, election, erection, we get it. <laughs> Hashtag DC Improv. Now, this guy who makes a big deal about himself being a clean comic will punch somebody in the face for a tweet heckle. Uh, this happened to Anthony's ex-chick. She was, at, I think, at a Dane Cook show. <laughs> And was wrote, like, I don't know, it's just something, like, I can't believe I'm in a Dane Cook show. And then he came over, because she wrote about it again, of course. <laughs> and was like, uh, hey, did you write that? She, is this show? And he's like, and she's like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Why? Why would you come up to me with matches that? Matches a picture. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. It's odd. <laughs> That's an odd thing. And this is not my cinnamon uh, toast crunch. <laughs> um, do... Do you honestly feel like someone should be able to get that mad over a tweet? No. Even if it was just some giant blogger or media person, then you might go over and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're 
just fucking with me here. I'm having one bad set, but, yeah. well, but I'd like to hear his like a, what really happened to him. To she's probably in custody right now. I imagine. Well, he did. He did get fucking. You know, he was picked up. Go to that. What's his name? Dan, the comedian, or something stupid. Yeah. I hate anyone who just like tries to do that gimmick. Median Dan. What's the last tweet that he had? On my way to the improv. Had a blast headlining the DC improv 11 hours ago. <laughs> Since then, he can't fucking tweet anything with uh, his bracelets on. But the other side of it is this. He just checked in at a, looks like a hotel on Foursquare a couple hours ago. Sure. He was fucking probably lost his improv gig, so he had to go get his own apartment. <laughs> You are out of the fucking uh, Ramada. Guess I'll drink alone at the fucking Best Western. Um, but here's the thing. It's also kind of asinine, I think. You're watching a, a fucking show and tweeting along your approval or disapproval. The real-time tweeting is is pretty dick. I mean, it's it's really. I mean, maybe afterwards, wait to fucking shit on the person, but in real time, it just feels more disrespectful. But if, let's say, the Metallica show, right, that we had the other night, if you went back, you would hear, "Oh my God, this is great!" You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, don't you think even a positive tweet is kind of a weird thing to do during a show? Well, I, I, I hate it when anyone I'm, I'm at a concert and there's just people just on their phones the entire time, Facebooking, tweeting, I, and taking pictures and video. Because it, it's it's almost 100% now. Like, I get taking the pictures, but post them later. Live in the moment. <laughs> They're up there. No, they didn't know I'm at the show immediately. Everyone should be jealous. And people were taking like pictures the entire time, I noticed. Like, Video. The, the stage is yeah. the same as it was at the beginning. <laughs> get them all over. Get them all the way at the beginning. This there. is a better angle. And I don't understand why this guy would go see another Comedian Dan show if he knows all the material and the impressions and everything. If he knows he's just going to go there and get pissed off. Well, he was at the, the whole thing was, this is some kind of... Uh, remember what they did, like, funniest media personality or whatever? Uh -huh. They do those at the improvs. What he was saying is you brought back a, a, a 2005-year-old reference and your Asian bit is going on too long. I don't think that he's been a comedian Dan fan for years, but, I mean, he just did not like the headlining set, which happens. But isn't it somewhat dickish to sit there and live tweet a stand-up sack? I think it is. I think it's a fucking real dick move. This guy fucking must have really hated fucking comedian Dan. He hated well, everybody, too. He wrote, like, I guess Ralph Nader was there, people from CNN, and every person... It was the funniest celebrity in DC contest. Yeah, they wrote. do these all, all the improv. It's a, it's a night they'll do the funniest newspaper guy. It's a way to pack out your fucking joint on a dead night. You know, Ralph Nader opens by saying he isn't funny and proceeds to live up to his word. <laughs> all right, punch that fucker. I'm live tweeting <laughs> the funniest celebrity in DC contest at the improv. Candy Crowley is bombing. Yeah, she's a talking head. <laughs> like, what but, do you? But here's the thing. Now, do we all agree that this is a douchey way to spend your night? Yes. But everybody's going to be re uh, uh, live tweeting Saturday Night Live. 
You know what I mean? Everybody live tweet at the fucking Emmys. Everybody live tweets everything. It's just because this guy happened to be there, you're acting like he's a dick. But everyone is doing it from their living room now. Well, uh, t Twitter is... It's what it was made for, to be in real time fucking giving right. people fucking shit. Now, all you have to do, and I've done it before, is do the hashtag SNL and sit there and, oh my gosh. You know? And I'll, I'll just sometimes look at those and fucking laugh at how bad people suffer during a TV show. Or when they they just write about one single line, not even the sketch. It's like, how many jokes did you miss while you're writing this? <laughs> But people live tweet uh, sporting events now. They live tweet. I mean, all you're never alone watching a TV show. You just have to fucking hashtag fucking Breaking Bad and sit there and watch it with thousands of your new snarky friends. Um, but at least Tina Fey isn't going to go smack somebody over this. They that's only because she can't find them. Yeah. You know what I mean? He he happened to be close enough to take. Oh, what the fuck are you? What the fuck are you? Who are you to tweet me? You know what I mean? But I'm sure that that kid uh, who hosts the Emmys the other night uh, that everybody's bored with, the uh, gay kid, Neil Patrick Harris. I'm sure he's like, what the fuck? I'm busting my ass up there, and you're. It's free. See this choreography. It's fucking free, and I got paid eight hundred dollars, and I'm dancing and <laughs> singing and keeping the show moving along. Boo, you suck. Hashtag and the pH sucks. But see, that's the thing. We act like if you do it in your house, you're not being a prick. But if you do it at the place, you're going to be there. Uh, Tina Fey is uh, hosting this week's SNL, and. Um, since she's left, what is this, like her third or fourth time back? Yeah, I think so. So we thought we'd do a, li uh, a lifeboat with all the greatest uh, hosts of all time. We wanted to put up four, and this was my call. There's no reason to put Steve Martin in it. He is so <laughs> beloved. You know what I mean? Like, he was people's favorite host in the 1970s. <laughs> And the, if he does it this season, the ratings will spike again. Everybody wants to see Steve Martin host that I think show. he even has his own best of DVD. Like, some people probably think he is a cast member who weren't alive back then. Well, I think everybody in this lifeboat also has their own, um, their, their own best ofs. Attention. Abandoned ship. It's time for lifeboat. Some of the more popular people to ever host SNL. And most of these guys are not only in the five-time club, 
in the Ten Time Club. Is that right, Shelby? Yeah, I think Alec Baldwin, I believe he has a record, somewhere in the teens. They, they come back. They, I don't think John Goodman has hosted in a while, but he should definitely come back. John Goodman used to host once a year for a lot of years. He's already in trouble with me because it just happened to be, you know, a kind of a dark decade of mine when I wasn't really watching SNL as much. Come on, kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, here are the names. Alec Baldwin, Chris Walken, Tom Hanks, John Goodman. Alec Baldwin, uh, Chris Walken, Tom Hanks, John Goodman. Now, we will start reading the Saturday Night Dead uh, reviews Sweet. probably this time now. These will be bigger newspaper people who decided that the show is over because they don't know the new folks. We've been through this a lot. I, By the way, I can't stand people who say they hate Saturday Night Live. It's impossible to hate it. It's like saying you hate Monday Night Football. It's just something that is. It's an institution. Yeah, it's there. It's years. like saying they should get rid of the Today Show. Well, that would be insane. Just leave it on. <laughs> It's something that's there. Nothing else is going to go on on Saturday Night Live. This place, you know. What do you, need a fucking movie there? So it's stupid. And you know people are dumb when they're acting like, it's time to end this show. Put us out of our misery. You don't need to be in misery. You have 150 channels, and this is one channel that plays an hour and a half a week. It's It's interesting the only show that people can break out of now and become big stars it's just interesting just to know that it's live and while you're at commercial you know that your shit's going crazy They're hustling. and you see these sets yeah. and it's not just oh a back like a room with shit painted on the walls they're actually like a clock on the mantle and like little plants everywhere it's just crazy that you know they built that this week and have to organize all that i also think that it's hysterical everybody's snl book that they wrote about their experiences reads like they were talking about vietnam you know what i mean <laughs> like, the shit. it's the least pleasant great thing that could ever happen to you they all act like i lost weight i was shitting blood uh I en- yeah i ended up with a really bad fill in the blank drug habit um brian warner by the way sent this to us brian warner uh sent this one to us uh it is a strong one shelby since you are our comedic historian i'm gonna let you go first first i would save tom hanks right off the bat he's been doing this for since the 80s and just playing any role he'll stop by some weeks just pop in for a sketch and get out Tom Hanks doesn't have the kind of uh, star attitude, does he? He does not. And he can play just these comedic bits while he's selling just a really dark film like his upcoming one. So he's just, he's just a great host. He's up for anything. That's what you have to do when you're hosting. And that's what these four guys seem to do, that they're up for anything. They don't worry about looking stupid or having shit like thrown at him or poured on him either. Second, I'd save Alec Baldwin because he's, again, 
he comes off like this uptight guy, maybe if you, like all the little running. Even when he's punching paparazzi <laughs> or screaming at right wing people. <laughs> but then he'll come on here and he'll do like these crazy characters and different accents and be rolling on the ground over people. It's just totally out of character, but he's really understands the essence of the show and what it they do and what the hosts they really want them to do. All right. And John Goodman, he played the straight man a lot in scenes, but he does it so well as having like a character of a cast member just being saying these outlandish things or acting crazy and just playing off of that real well and keeping the bit going mm-hmm. instead of just oh reading the lines to keep like sell what they're saying or prove like get their punchline going, but he does it in a way that. It doesn't just make half the sketch seem boring. Sometimes when Shelby takes a stick like this, it reminds me like if you're in a car with a little kid and he just starts to talk about his obsessions, <laughs> like some kind of card thing. And Did you, you can know? see that he really, really cares, like almost to the fucking 90th power. <laughs> and then this guy has powers that can get him to fly. You, you love Saturday Night Live. You love it. Yeah, I wish I could just be on that at any... I'll grab some coffee for people if I had to. Let's try to get you in. we got connections over there. Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, uh, and you're Chris Walken? Christopher Walken, he, he's basically playing a different variation of Christopher Walken right. in every sketch that he does, but it's still hilarious. In recent years, though, I've, when he's on, he's can't read... The cue card's more obvious, which in itself is funny. Like, he's just facing in a different direction than everybody else's. So, I'd have to, out of these four, throw Christopher Walken. Oh, Jesus H. Christ. That hurts. I thought he made a... I, I got all of his points. You're not throwing anyone off here that's bad. Everybody's fucking strong, Chris. I know. Where are you going with this? But that's obviously not... My, all right, look. A, number one, safe. Alec Baldwin. The guy should just be a fucking cast member at this point. They should just hire him and put him in there and fucking have him come in every season. That's what they need. You think to do. he's that funny? I love Alec Baldwin. I love him. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the man. When he did, when he did Canteen Boy with Adam Sandler, where they had some weird gay relationship, I couldn't fucking stop laughing. It was great back in the Again day. Again with this. Oh yeah, y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Oh. And of course, sweaty balls. All the kids love that. That was later on in his SNL hosting duties. Next safe, uh, Mr. Christopher Walken is going to be safe in my book. Ever hear a cowbell? You're not going to fucking knock the guy off just because he can't read the cards as well because he's getting up there in age. But he didn't write the cowbell sketch. He but was he, just in it. He nailed it. Anyone else do fucking saying that is not going to get his mate Migs laughs as Mr. Christopher Walken. He wasn't even the funniest person in that sketch. He was a fucking. He was a big part of it. Yeah, I'm not saying he wasn't, but you can't totally turn around. It's not like he invented a character or something. Go ahead. Down to Mr. Tom Hanks, Mr. John Goodman. This is actually this is easy for me because John Goodman as Linda Tripp in those uh, during yeah. the Clinton years, I just fucking outrageously funny, just brilliant, and for that reason alone. Tom Hanks, you're in the water. Peace Dear out. God. Goodman hosting 12 times? Between I don't like, know. 
12 times like between the 80s and 2000s. It's crazy. I think he's had some kind of fallout though. Because he I was don't, I don't think he's friends with them anymore. Because I know because when um they did the five or seven timers club or whatever for JT, yeah. he wasn't there. Like he was like one of the only people not there. Yeah. Um and we know he's around. If anyone knows if there's been a fallout, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Very dangerous lifeboat uh, for the more talented people to ever do Saturday Night Live. One of them's going out on a lifeboat. Uh, Big Fez Watley is ready to give up. He needs to check some things on the internet first. But when that is done, he'll be able to come back and give us his... Uh, lifeboat. Here's our buddy Andy. Andy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boys. Hey. Um, I, uh, let's talk. Well, this, my, my big thing is that as I think of all those four hosts, I can't, um, like, I'm judging it strictly by what springs to mind as far as what they did. And I'm going to have to join you, Ronnie. Uh, John, John Goodman, I love him. But until Chris said the Linda Tripp thing, I had nothing just come to mind immediately as to what he had actually contributed. I mean, with Christopher Walken, you have the Continental, you have the uh, uh, all the great stuff he did with Will Ferrell. I gotta tell you the truth, I hate the Continental. I was never a fan of it. Oh, I, I don't know what I don't know what it is about it. I think my favorite, I think it was one of the best uh, best riffs on the whole uh, Freedom Fries thing when they had to adapt it. So they took all of his French food away, and instead of like his hors d'oeuvres and his seductive things, he only had like ants on a log and combos to offer the chick. I thought it was. I thought that was just. It sticks with me to today. I love John Livett's thing with Tom Hanks, or they did the two guys in the corner. That was funny shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that, that was funny that stuff. Is, that Not is legendary. happening tonight. Yeah, um, John Goodman. John Goodman. I would have thrown off easy until the other day when he said this to me. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> Good. He deserves the love. Oh, thanks, pal. They asked him a couple years ago about hosting, and he said, I'm just kind of too old now, and I don't have a TV show going, and they're looking for a younger audience. But this is before <laughs> Betty White didn't really have shit going, and they put her on it. Oh, 117. Um, Taylor, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw Tom Hanks off lifeboat. Why is that? Because uh, he's been in that situation before. I think he'd survive. You know, he's. This is the second time he's been thrown from into the water. Actually, third. Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, I just rewatched that. Great movie, right? Yeah, I, I like it a lot. It's really weird. It's one of his few failures, and it's fucking great. Um, Fezzy, can we gonna get in this today? Yep. Good. Because this is simple for me. This is easy. I'm a fan of three of these gentlemen. Not a fan of the fourth. Throw Alec Baldwin off the lifeboat. What? Too pro-gay? Uh, no, too uh, temper tantrum, put your hands on people, and use your gay work as an excuse to be able to still use slurs. Shouldn't we just be working on him as a host, though? I get bored when Alec Baldwin's on Saturday Night Live. I think he's just actually over-hosted. That's... Wow. That's some fucking crazy shit to say. I can't you ought to tweet it. that. You ought to tweet that when he's in front of you. <laughs> he might pull a knife on that. <laughs> Sweaty balls, canteen boy, his Tony Bennett, 
Um, he's done some strong stuff on the show. He's a funny man. Uh, George in Austin, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, buddy? Sounds like a million dollars, bros. Um, I don't know if it's just an age factor, man, but I used to grow up with my dad religiously watching Saturday Night Live since I was like four years old. And Tom Hanks used to be a funny motherfucker in the 80s. I mean, bachelor parties, the blue hair beauties alone should get him safe. Um, John Goodman, man, I mean, in the trip, it's all right. But was it any big fucking noticeable moment? I didn't even realize he was her until you just repeated it. So I'm kicking John Goodman off. He's the fat fuck. Um, here's Tom in Connecticut. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Thanks, pal. <laughs> uh, Tom in Connecticut. Hello, boys. Yeah. So I got a quick uh, thing on the uh, DVD Red State. Kevin Smith went into a... Uh, 15 seconds about how John Goodman and Lauren Michaels got into a fight about a skit that he wouldn't do. And they said that's why he would never go back to SNL. I knew it had to be something like this. And you got to always know Kevin Smith will be the guy to tell the truth. He drops it, man. You guys are serial thieves, you fuckers. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're hungry. (laughs) It's cinnamon toast. It's a whole grain. It's a whole grain. We're getting tasteness and healthiness all together. Yeah. It's the perfect combination. And it brings back childhood to sit and eat cereal. God damn Like it. an infant. Just get some more milk in here. Um, it is the, uh, the lifeboat. And I'm glad to know that story. Now, most safe right now, Alec Baldwin. Mm, good. Uh, second most safe, Christopher Walken. And it's very tight between Tom Hanks and John Goodman. Oh, boy. This could go either way. Um, but I have to tell you the truth. The uh, There's a sketch I don't want to do. It throws me off. When you're on that show, I feel like you got to do the shitty sketches when you're the host. I mean, there's so many. I mean, you got... I mean, it's, you, you don't get to job. refuse the host to do a thing. That's like a football player saying, oh, I'm not running that fucking play. You have to. You've got to do it. You're on the show. You can't fucking do anything but do it. Anything else, you're putting yourself above the show. That's a weird... I never heard that story. That's weird. Kevin Smith apparently... uh, You got the inside scoop. Brought it up. I'm going to have to watch the Red State DVD commentary. I'm sure John Goodman said something to him in private. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin put it out there. Well, thanks, pal. That's supposed to be between me and you. Uh, you know, you run into people now will say, I used to think Robin Williams is funny. Now I don't. He was down here yesterday. Uh, Spencer put together a perfect day uh, where he had Robin Williams being interviewed by Whoopi Goldberg. Spencer told me I've worked on this for eight months, and I only had uh, one person in mind. He told me the same story twice. Told me it again today. Yeah. Just after I was just down near the bathroom, and I go, "Oh, because the president talked to you." He goes, "No." I go, "I didn't think so." So Robin Williams, I'm sitting there, and he's you know doing the rut, you know. He comes in to the fishbowl, runs against the glass. Let me out! You know, he's just Robin Williams, hysterical. But he tells this story. So Robin Williams is in Germany, 
and he's being interviewed on a on a chat show there. And the interviewer says to him, Mr. Williams, do you find it strange that there are not more German comedians? Why do you think there are so few German comedians? And Robin Williams says to them, I don't know, because you killed them? <laughs> and it's the fucking funniest goddamn story because it's so fucking true that you either killed them or chased them to the United States. And cost yourself all those Jewish comedians. Uh, Tom Hanks, 36%. John Goodman, 38%. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> oh, come on, John. Uh, Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Kevin. Oh, yo, what's up, guys? Hey. All right, in light of uh, what you said about John Goodman... I gotta throw him off mainly because he disrespected Lauren Michaels. But Alec Baldwin and Christopher Walken are definitely safe because of sweaty balls and more cowbell. I will say this that there is something right about Christopher Walken with what Shelby said about him. Where you're not going out there being funny, it's the the fact that he doesn't know what's funny makes people laugh. He's a strange man. Um, here's Nick in South Carolina. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie? Yeah. Um, hey, man, I was just looking at an article, and basically it was talking about uh, John Goodman. And he says the only reason he's not doing the Saturday Night Live shit anymore is because it's not practical. And he's got a lot of stuff going on with Jerry Seinfeld doing voice acting for the B-movie. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. What the fuck? Ten years ago. It's a long time ago you read that fucking story. Uh, Will, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Uh, Twelve bucks, Fezzy. Um, I think uh, Christopher Walken has absolutely got to be saved just because the Colonel Angus, you know, and that whole thing about going south with the yeah. crazy going down euphemism. Yeah, it's a very funny bit. No doubt about it. Old Colonel Angus. Um, it looks like Jack Daniels is now selling a barrel. Of Jack. I looked at this and couldn't guess the price because I can't tell you how long it's been since I bought a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah. Do you still pick up bottles like that? Yeah. Um, you, like a regular bottle of Jack, like for a liter, is like, I don't know, 26 bucks or something. something so like what that. would you say a barrel would cost you? Fuck, an entire barrel. I'd say it cost me oh, two grand or something, like for an entire barrel of fucking Jack Daniels. It's $9,600. Jesus fucking Christ! Is it fucking gold? Is it fucking gold liquor? Liquid gold. Come but, on, it's just whiskey, people. But fucking how, ten grand? Don't you think a barrel would keep you a long time? Still, dropping the ten fucking seeing that come up on a bill, ten thousand dollars for a barrel of liquor? No, thank you. I wonder you how much of that is the barrel deposit. You can keep it, people. <laughs> we all wonder, Fez. It sounds like you're paying more for the barrel than the liquor itself. Why are you going to just fucking take the Fez thing away from that? was his. The barrel deposit was his. <laughs> um, here's Steve. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hello, boys. Hey, buddy. Um, talking about the uh, lifeboat. I don't think... I think... Uh, I just checked, and Tom Hanks wasn't the most safe. Is that right, according to the yes. stats? 
He's actually close to being thrown off. I, I don't get this. People are forgetting this guy create was involved in some of the best skits in the history of that show, not even just in terms of these four hosts. You got Mr. Short-Term Memory is one of the greatest Great characters. Bit. I mean, Jesus Christ. That and uh, him and Lovitz standing on the street while the girls walk by. Um, you got uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Giant Businessman. He was the neighbor with the band, Phil Hartman. Here's That's what I, I think happened with Tom Hanks. People got too used to him. Tom Hanks has become that guy who you feel like you went to high school with him or you feel like he's in your neighborhood. Because he's done Letterman so many times, The Tonight Show so many times. He shows up in the Comedy Central shows, too, a lot. Yeah, just whatever. Yeah, he and Conan are buddies. So he's become America's kindly neighbor. He's an American treasure. He, he's a, But a treasure needs to be rare, right? So he's more like a safety pin. Like, oh, you need one or you like one. But you don't sit around thinking, thank God for the safety pin. <laughs> I just think that he's been too consistent for too long. It happened to Billy Crystal before him. Billy Crystal was always that consistent guy. And then when people said, you know what? Seen too much Billy Crystal. I've heard too many Billy Crystal jokes. And they start to turn on him. I think that's what's happened with Tom Hanks. And this new movie that he's doing yeah. is once again going to be like, oh, you know, one of the best movies of the year. And people go, I'm not giving him another Oscar. They're talking he's Oscar. He's got two. Yeah, but he won't win another one. Those, those drama uh, nomination. Well, how many times has he been nominated? Let's look it up. He's probably got seven or eight, don't you think? On top of two wins. And his wins, he did back-to-back. -back. Yeah. And that annoyed people. Uh, come on. Give him a break. It's not his fault. He's so damn good. Uh, three nominations, two wins. All right. He should never win again, then. Two for three. <laughs> um, but his movies probably get nominated quite a bit. He's had a very strong career. Um, here's Brandon. You're on the Run of Fez show. Don't you think that you've spent $9,600 on whiskey in your life? Yeah, but putting it all at once just seems like a huge expenditure. I, I, can't, yeah, then, I can't justify that. I'm not good at yeah, buying then, bulk. If you keep it, then it's constantly aging in the barrel also to get better whiskey. He doesn't care about better. Give me a fucking break. Um, here's uh, Don. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um... On that uh, barrel of whiskey, what it is is you get uh, it's between 245 and 250 bottles. They deliver it to your house with the barrel, and your name goes up there in Lynchburg, Tennessee, in their barrel room. You get a bright your name. Oh, I like that my name light. in the barrel room. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I got one for my uh, 40th birthday. I paid about it was a little over 10 grand for it, delivered to the door. All right, Jeez, so. 250 barrels, and you said, I mean, bottles, and you said the liter is about 40 some? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. So, so that stays right in the 10 grand price. Yeah. It's not like you're being ripped off or paying for the barrel. You're paying for the whiskey, and that barrel should last you, um, I wonder how long, like a year? Two years? <laughs> I would hope it lasts longer than that. I'm not drinking a bottle of Jack a day. But getting your name up on the wall is pretty fucking cool. It's kind of weird having a thing that's ten grand just sitting out in your store that can be rolled out easily. 
Well, it's not just going to be in the... There's what do you mean? security cameras, Shelby. No one, it's going to be a fucking heavy They're ass... Deliver to your house. You're going to get a nice fucking delivery. A couple of big strapping fucking mechs are going to come <laughs> carrying this in. Put it down. And every time you have a friend over, you'll be like, you know what? I want we go get some Jack. I got a fucking barrel of it. Here, I pour down ladle. Just fucking pour down. I mean, beautiful. that's less than what you pay for a fucking swimming pool. And you're going to be doing that all the time. Not like swimming fucking... You know, eight weekends out of the year, it's always, you're going to drink every single day. It's always Jack season. It's always. This is the season of Jack. <laughs> and, and Shelby, I'm sure it's a display model. They're not going to keep out the fucking Shelby, pounds. please. Come, think for one God fucking second it. about fucking You anti-Christopher Walken son of a bitch. I know. Christopher Walken's too old for you and your young, hip generation, okay? But you know what? I fucking remember. I remember Chris Walken. Where are you from? North Billyburg? You know, Chris Walken is fucking Astoria, born and bred. Walken Bakery, right there on Broadway. It's still very close between John Goodman and Tom Hanks. If I was to call this, I'd say that Goodman is in real trouble, but only three points between them. That's tight. Uh, and Alec Baldwin has never not been leading. And that is despite <laughs> at least half the people hate his politics. <laughs> See, him being on Saturday Night Live fucking evens that out. But I do not judge anybody by their politics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this, this is his work. He's, it doesn't, he's not fucking throwing shit out there. Come on. Alec Baldwin should be safest, in my opinion. Well, he is. So Finally, finally uh, I get a win. You get a win. <laughs> Mr. Fucking Single Shot gets a win. <laughs> he goes into a liquor store and asks for a single shot of Jack. Yeah. See, I, I just that buy, whole buying in bulk thing to save money—it just always throws me off. Because I know you—you you, you took me to your single bread store. <laughs> where you can, can I get two slices of Wonder Bread, uh, a scoop of peanut butter, and just the fucking schmidger jelly? This is only six dollars. This is great. Bro. Now do you have a plastic knife I can cut that with. Let's go to slices again. Who's um? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. You go to the single slice pizza. <laughs> Oh, I don't think anyone's ever bought a pie from a dollar pizza fucking spot. Uh, Tom, you're on the run of Fed show. Oh, is everybody time for Madison? Buddies, how you doing, guys? Hey, hey. Hey, Sezzy, I think you'd be all over this. You pick up that thing. It's 250 large bottles, 500 small bottles. Give those out with your own label on it. When you get done, you got another bump hole. Right there in your apartment. Oh, oh shit! Oh, I'm not a Chevy chaser where I'm going to fuck a barrel. Tom. Hey, have well, you ever got you there, knock, Tom. Don't knock it, right? That's the comeback guy. That's the comeback guy. Wait, am I... I think people are saying they, they bottle it for you. They don't just give you the barrel? No, Chris. I'm not just going to give you the barrel like it's in the store. <laughs> Boy, you made him look like a dick. Fuck you, Shelby. All right? Look, people are calling in with different things. I'm getting weird information here. I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe I'll take out a loan and get one of these things. I thought I would have one of those little spigots like the Gatorade on the sidelines. That's what I thought. That's how else you could get it out. Now, you know how I always likes Barilla Pasta, the famous yeah. Barilla oh, Pasta? Yeah. You love that, Fez? Yeah. The This just uh, is kind of breaking news. This was on an uh, Italian radio show. Guido Barilla, owner of Guido uh, Barilla Pasta, and by the way, I never knew that that was like a family name or anything, said um, he will not 
do any advertising showing gay families. And if gays don't like it, they can go eat someone else's pasta. <laughs> now the weird I will go eat someone else's pasta. Who asked Oh my god. Oh my Sick. god. By pasta, is that what you call an asshole? No, I Balls? mean macaroni. Work that out. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why is that, Fez? Why won't you eat it? Because why does he have to be so anti-gay? Oh yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Oh, God. Mm. See, I can't this. imagine anyone was telling Barilla that he had to do a gay family commercial. Well, they asked him on the... They did. They asked him on a an Italian radio show where they said to him, would you ever put any gays in your ads? And he said, no, I would never do that. But if the gays don't like it... They can go eat somebody else's pasta. Because I know what I mean tonight. Brilla pasta. <laughs> Brilla pasta. It proves you're not gay. That's right. Brilla pasta. They sell Actually, t-shirts? I made some of that the other night. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's delicious. It's a nice bow tie. Mm. Maybe make some fettuccine Alfredo for yourself. Get a nice cream sauce going. Mmm, damn. Some homo. Drop a little chicken in there. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And here I am eating cinnamon uh, toast crunch three times a day. <laughs> Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, good afternoon, boys. Sound like a million bucks. Hey, uh, I, I was just down in Tennessee with my wife, and we toured the Jack Daniels facility, and you see like, the barrel and how they package it up. Uh, what they do is uh, you, can, you go to their facility, and you taste three single barrels, and then you select which one they want to bottle up for you to take home with. So you're just taking it in bottles? Yeah, yeah. They I don't fucking want that. That's stupid. Fuck that. If I was going to drop ten grand, I want that goddamn barrel. I agree. I gotta agree with you. I think it will look cool to have the fucking barrel in your basement, but to go down there and there's two hundred and fifty fucking bottles, you look an idiot. Just for the storage alone. It's gonna look like your house is a liquor store. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking retarded. And it's like you're sitting on top of a fucking kettle, dr- uh, ready to fucking blow at any second. <laughs> Kids go down there and play with matches, and next thing you know, you got a fucking five alarm. See, Jack Daniels doesn't know what they're doing. They should be selling barrels, not fucking bottling it for people. God. Damn. But this pasta thing's got me fucking starving. Yeah. Fuck it. I can't wait to just have a giant pile of bro of pasta tonight. You gonna cook it this time? Yeah, I'm gonna cook it. Alright? I know how to cook pasta. You just drop it in fucking water. There's that guy that had his fucking nose on his forehead. <laughs> okay. Why did they do that anyway, Chris? This guy got into some, I think, a car accident and uh, destroyed all the cartilage in his nose. So they uh, like took um, tissue from his rib and then grew a new nose for him. They built it. They built a nose and grew it on his forehead. And this is in China. Now, I don't know why they grew it on his fucking forehead when you could put it on another part of your body where, I don't know, fucking people aren't staring at your fucking forehead nose. Where would you put it? Like, you I don't know, maybe put it on your chest or your arm or fucking... Why can't they just put it where his fucking nose should go? I think because the, the, um, his his old nose was still there and they had to, they had to grow it. They couldn't like, grow it on the old nose. If they put it on his fucking chest, uh, A, he's not going to be able to breathe because his shirt's there. 
but also <laughs> it's not going to be attached to the canals. It's good. I don't even know how the fucking forehead can attaches that because you know, like the throat and everything. That's what you need. I think they're going to. They, they had to grow it on the forehead, and they're going to slide it down to his. They're going to move it onto his old nose. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's why I don't know why they fucking just slapped it on his forehead. It's just you're turning to a freak show walking around the street with a nose coming out. I of your think head. where our noses is a really bad fucking location anyway. I don't know. I like being, you know, getting smells where your brain is. Well, you're going to get it anyway. Your brain's it's not there. It has to go up to it. But the fucking fact of the matter is, you have a drippage fucking possibility above your mouth. <laughs> you need too many holes. Too many holes close together. Yeah. I don't mind them putting it on his forehead, but they put it on basically upside down. So if it's raining, it is going right in the nostrils. They should have at least made it a right-side-up nose. Then it would just look like it was broken and out of place and not just put there in a weird spot. Um... Here's Jeff. You're on the Run Fest show. Hey, that Barilla you're talking about, it's actually it's pronounced Barilla. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of like when we say million, we say million, it's the same difference. Yeah. Well, over here yeah, in the States, it's Barilla. We're all spell it fucking different. Yeah. Dr. Steve texted me to explain why this guy's nose is on his forehead. Yeah. He says blood supply in the face is way more accessible and plentiful. So I guess because the, the the new growing nose needs a lot of blood in it. All right, Doctor Steve, uh, does he know why it's upside down? What about Fez's rain theory? Yeah, what's the deal with the Ray, rain? Fez came up with a um, uh, a fascinating fucking um, thing. Um, by the way, in the ads they don't say boye or whatever. It sounds like Barella. Like, it rhymes with umbrella in the ads. It's Barilla. Fucking starving for some now. Damn it. I thought Dr. Steve was going to surprise us with something. Yeah, that's going to be in a couple weeks. That's when the surprise is. A couple weeks. Yeah, yes, the. Yeah. It's a whole big scheduling thing. Um, But he's good to go. Here's Patrick. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. I was wanting to talk to Fez. Hey, Fez. Yes. When was the last time you went to a gay bar and there was a bunch of people demonstrate that they were against gays? I can't hear you. When was the last time you went to a gay bar, gay Friday, and there were people demonstrating against it? Uh, never. That's never happened. Then why, if a man says he doesn't want to serve gay people, why, why can't he do that and have nobody demonstrate like yourself? Why do you have to demonstrate and be against I don't understand. Why do I have to eat pasta from a guy who doesn't think it's for gay families? It's delicious. You don't have but, to. But, 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 I'm not. A, but if a gay bar says it's not for fucking straight families, straight people don't try to put it out of business. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not. Why take it so personal? Like, um, we have big gay ice cream that goes around. The car, the truck, yeah. Doesn't offend me. Now, if you saw a big straight ice cream, oh my god, would everybody be would be so fucking offended. Then maybe we should start preemptively uh, strike the big gay ice cream truck. Um, either that, or we open up a big straight ice cream truck, but we shouldn't do it here. We should do it somewhere down south. 
<laughs> where people are not going to, you know. Hey, you straight? You like ice cream? Come over here. That's more like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is good ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you American straight ice cream. <laughs> you like vagina, right? Here, have a fucking strawberry ice cream. It doesn't taste anything like cock. <laughs> <laughs> it, look at our new flavor. No cum ice cream. Yeah, that's good, yeah. That's good for me. Hell yeah. Tits is the new ice cream we got. What Bible flavors do you have in that uh, ice cream truck? We is, got Leviticus. Is there any French fried potatoes in there? We can make it for you if you're straight. Are you straight or angry? It seems like you're yelling at everybody. Both. I'm just trying to get this ice cream out there. He said that he said this whole anti-gay thing in a radio advertisement too. That's that's a pretty big get. The CEO of a pasta company. I'd take the fucking guy in a heartbeat right now. I wish I had this interview. I'd fucking go places with it. Uh, but their ad says we celebrate the traditional family. And that, you know, it's a straight family. A gay is... family can be a traditional family. It's parents and a child. That's, uh, you can't get much more traditional than that. You can't, come on, it's father and mother. You know, but that other caller had a good point. We're not offended by the fucking gay parade. Why are you offended by a traditional family ad? The guy also said he is in favor of gay marriage, but... Against gay adoption. Sure, because they molest. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. That's smart. Some people molest. I'm sorry. You notice Fez only talks during that <laughs> bit? <laughs> Some people molest. That time I waited for him and I jumped in. Want to hear that moan again? <laughs> um, Brad, you're on the run of Fez show. Uh, hey, Chris, I love you, man, but you just brought it up. Every time you hear that moan from that guy, you say, oh, God, at the end, like you're finishing up for him. What's That's that all about? That's fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you're a little fucking gay. I think I'm starting to like why the moan sounds. Oh, my God. What's happening? All right, our new nip game is up on the iBang, and um, I know we... Renamed it, and that's why you had to run off, Chris. That's why I ran out. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm good. I'm okay. Oh, the people listening aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right field, every chance we get. Um. All right, hold on. For Zach in Kentucky, wants to fix that other guy. Zach, go ahead. Hey. Hey there, guys. Yeah, uh, the previous caller has got his Latin languages confused a little bit. Um, in the, in the um, and if it was Spanish, it would be Berea, but the two L's in Italian are Barilla. And oddly enough, that means one cock, one vagina in Italian. I don't know if you knew that. That is but, fantastic. Well, we're learning. This is great. Um, all right, so uh, let's listen to what Chris hustled around to do so hard. Do you think you know celebrity breasts? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to tell us who slips the nip. Oh, that's fantastic work. And I cost you by saying that the other thing was ridiculous. Why didn't you just tell me? I didn't say we already have production. No, 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 I swap out. It's, all, it's just a quick swap. Why didn't you freeze up and start crying... <laughs> 
Why did you jump up, hustle, and make things happen? I just had to be out of the studio for a moment, that's all. Yeah. I didn't know. All right, now this is all based on the fact that... Um, all right, we don't even have the names down on this. This is going to be interesting. Exciting. That's at the top of there. Oh, I don't want to check the names, though. Oh, boy. All right, I think I know some of these. These are nipples out. Mainly, this has been done accidentally. It's an accidental nipple. I'd like to think so. And I guess the most that men can do with this is an accidental butt crack. I mean, you know... <laughs> A ball popping out? Yeah, it's very rare for a nut to, to pop out. I don't think any celebrity dudes have been caught with their balls out. Well, that's because like it's not considered sexy for our nuts to almost be out or show any kind of ball cleavage. Oh my God, is that a pube? And the reason is because men are disgusting and their genitals are disgusting. <laughs> if that did happen, they'd go on a talk show and just start joking about it. They wouldn't ask Tina Fey, hey, heard your titties popped out. You're right, Dave. Um, now, I'm looking some of these over. Oh. I think I know those nipples in the first one. I have a guess. I'm going to go with Lauren Bacall. What? <laughs> Lauren Bacall. <laughs> Who do you think? I'm thinking... Kristen Stewart from the Twilight movies. No. That is actually just about the right size. Maybe slightly bigger. What do you think? I don't know. Those look a little light for Kristen Stewart. I didn't know that she had dark nipples. I'm just guessing. Just uh, by the hair. Yeah, we're not going to give out the answers on the air. Second one is definitely, I know this, because yeah. that's a bathing suit. That's Esther Williams. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, those are fat tits. <laughs> I almost feel like that's Katy Perry. That's that's going on in my head. I was thinking Drew Barrymore. No. Looks like they maybe smashed a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the fucking clothes, dog. Now. These are pretty fascinating how that happens. This third one, is that an African-American or is the fourth one? Leave the fourth. Well, I can't really give that right, I think the fourth one is an African-American, right? Kind of looks like the Death Star. I think that that's Teresa Merritt, who played Mama in the old That's My Mama series. <laughs> I, was, I might be wrong. I was going to say Whitney Houston. You think that's Whitney Houston? I think it's Whitney. Like, towards the end, when she was all real sloppy, that's when the titty pop. So. Oh, I don't think she was ever sloppy. Oh. I think she was. A, I think she was a treasure. Just that glass you dick. know, I think she was an. Yeah, she did a little bit of crack. Who has it in their life? <laughs> we all can't be Mama from that's my Mama. I'm in a very. If that is Mama, very round breasts. I mean, that's ten is confusing to me because those are almost <laughs> champagne glass oh. breasts. I feel like that's like an old school titty. That is uh, not the best looking breast you want to have. May have to do with angle. I think I want to give that one to Ernie Banks, the old Chicago Cub. <laughs> let's play two, like in Let's Show Two Nipples. I didn't know he was blonde. 
This game is fascinating. And Shelby, you're the one who found all these nipples? Proves the internet over several long hours drifting in and out of consciousness. You are disgusting. Come on, man. You're just falling asleep in a pot. Just pile. <laughs> but he is the go-to guy. He's the guy who says, I've got an idea. I have a bit. I'm swinging even if I miss. Look, you guys, nipples, they've never been bigger. We yeah. gotta go with this. Now, what you, is it that you think that we love about the nipple so much? So much down to the fact of this. That if we don't see the nipple, we don't consider that woman to be nude. So if she's naked from, let's say, the waist up, and she has her fingers over her, in this case, it's going to be small nipples. We'll be like, oh, man, she was almost naked. Or is there anything worse than you go into one of those states that the girls are wearing pasties? Ugh. Even if they're flesh or pink-colored pasties, you're like, it's a ripoff. I'm going to buy my one drink, and then I'm out of this fucking shit dive bar. Maybe just because the mystery of it all, what shape... What color, what size, It's a, you don't know what you're getting. But is there something erotic about a nipple? Is there something that makes a nipple? Well, isn't it an erogenous zone for some? Maybe because it's different. I, like, you got the, the titty. And right. it's all, it's, all it's, it's just the titty. But all then right. there's this one different thing about it. There's that nip right in the middle. <laughs> all right, I'm going to ask you guys this then. You got this one choice. You get a woman yeah. wearing pasties. Okay. Or a woman in a t shirt, but the nips are cut out and sticking out. Oh, the, the nips. The, the nips sticking out. out. It's much, much sexier than a stupid pasty. Now, just think of that. On the beach, <laughs> you can just cover your nipples and you're okay. But if you had a one piece or even like some kind of uh, wetsuit, but with the nipples cut out, you could be arrested. It's so fucking crazy. It's also weird, like the uh, for TV, like what you can and can't show. Because I remember seeing just some old rerun of the Man Show where they were just bringing people out of the audience, and some lady lifted her shirt up, dipped her boobs in like caramel sauce, and then lifted it up, and it was just basically like caramel boobs, but no blurring out at all necessary. Well, this was uh, going to Times Square. There is a woman wearing a g-string. And the rest of her is painted, right? Yeah. She's topless. Not as it only okay, but people have their children take their picture. I was, when I went down to Johnny's the other night, I watched a guy bring over his three-year-old to stand next to her. And the little girl was so excited to be with someone that was painted. And the guy took the picture of basically a naked woman with his child. The body paint thing—it's—it it doesn't. That's fucking really crazy. Like in Sports Illustrated, half the half the swimsuit issue is chicks in body paint, and it's just naked women. I took a picture of that lady in Times Square, and then I tweeted it and wrote that it was Molly who had dropped out of college <laughs> and needed some money. Why so mean? <laughs> All right, play the Molly song. Got a lot us. of retweets. <laughs> uh, we need a new song too. That we broke the internet. Well, we actually used to have that. We broke the internet. Uh, drop. I got Molly's here first. Yeah, well, I want to hear that. The lone dinosaur, dinosaur. His tail was swift as lightning, dinosaur. His heart was brave and pure, dinosaur. Whenever there was.
Savior, he be there to fight the carnival, the Lord Dinosaur. Oh, that's beautiful. She uh, sent me an email the other day where she was at uh, Fenway. Oh, nice. And then she showed me a picture of her and her trashy suite mates because she's in a suite rather than a dorm room this year. Looks like four of them sharing a fucking... Dude, this is what they're going to be sharing, those girls. Not mom. Oh. Or, you know, these bad yeah, influence. Ass that dick around. They were garbage. Skank. They, they will go out of their way to ruin that girl's life. Um, Tim, you're on the run of face show. You know, you could be the most sophisticated guy, the most classy person, but you watch a chick come in, and as soon as you get a, a hint of hard nipple through your shirt, you turn into a teenager, and you're just staring. It's true. Oh, the hard nipple is so much more preferred to a fucking soft nipple. Jeez, it's not even close. God. It's not even close. So shitty, a fucking soft nipple. Well, you know, soft nipple's nice, but pff, hard? <laughs> um, that shit away. Mike, you're on the Run of Fed show. Bring your books, Ronnie. You're the best. Yeah. Hey, Peppa. Yeah. Not only you get the uh, the bottle of whiskey, the barrel, but you get a tasty treat. You get some cinnamon toast crunch mixed in there. Perfect. Now, do not confuse Pepper with Chris Stanley. That's more of a Chris Stanley thing. Yeah, that guy's a maniac. Um, it's a dick, too. All right, in Pittsburgh, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, uh, the nipple's kind of like the curb appeal to the rest of the breast. I mean, you know, you've got to gotta make look good on, like a house has to look good on the outside. A good nipple helps to enhance the rest of the breast, so... I knew a girl. I knew a girl who was a playmate centerfold who had inverted nipples. Never could pop out at all. So I'm not sure if I agree with the nipple and uh, breast thing. They never fucking pop. Not even when they got hard. Never at any That's point. Weird. Nothing. That's fucking strange. Like if breast did. And they were perfect breast. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah, like did something to agree upon. This is a, a couple of scientists having a scientific discussion. If, and I'm telling you that you do not need uh, pointy nipples to have perfect breasts. I don't mind an inverted nipple. It's like if you see a dog with three legs at the park. It's just kind of interesting. Strummer only has three legs. Oh, poor dog. Sounds like he's getting old faster than a four-legged dog, though. Yeah. I've been hearing things. They might have to put them down. They tried to sell me that fucking dog for 5G's months. So glad I didn't make that fucking move. You're charging five grand for that three-legged dog? <laughs> yeah, it was one of, you know, Dave sometimes when he starts to hustle shit. <laughs> and they have me leaning because it's a great dog. Oh, it's a very nice dog. But it's no Birdie. Birdie's the perfect dog. You're like a little lady, aren't you, Birdie? You're a little lady. Are you going to the cotillion? I bet you're going to go to the cotillion. Um, Paul, you're on the Run of Fest show. Who's this? Uh, I guess you're Paul. Yes, I am. Hey, Ronnie B, I, I'd say that guys are turned on by titties because they don't have a set. And secondly, it's, uh, they're just overrated. It's just five pounds of fat with a nipple on it. You hear that, Phil? Sounds like we got a homosexual here. Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that. Gay talk. Oh. Oh. Jesus. Uh, Adam, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, big ass card holder, 16337. That's old school. Hoo-ah! 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 
Yeah, you guys got to stop talking about nipples, because the second you brought it up, the Impero Bank crashed again. Two days in a row. Oh no, here we go again. Running fast, broke the internet. There's a roadblock on the information highway. Every time they play the game. Search, search, hurry up and search. How fast can you find the answer? People on the internet break. Down. Every time they play the game, search, search, hurry up and search. Running fast, running fast, break the internet. Uh, Daniel, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Uh, new listener, great show, and it seems like lately I've been listening and it's a lot of controversy on whether Fez is really gay or not because he hasn't taken a cock. Why don't you guys just put him in a room with another gay guy and that guy can come out and tell you once and for all if he's gay or not? Well, we're not here to promote any kind of illicit hookups to... Fez doesn't seem to make any gay friends. No, he actually repels gay people. Like any gay guys he runs into, he ends up not getting along with. I also know of a famous gay person who I thought Fez was crushing on a little bit, who wanted to come back on the show, and something has been blocked, and we were wondering if maybe that wasn't Fez. Oh, no. This is weird. Do you know the gay person I'm talking about? I believe uh, he's fond of. Yeah, even though the day before Fez had told us his exact type. Yeah. And then uh, we run into him, and he says, "Look, I've been wanting to come back on your show, and uh, I never hear back." Oh no. And then of course the Alq guys all seem to be great guys. And you would think Fez would hit it off with them, but that hasn't happened. Why don't gay guys like you, Fez? I have no idea. I, maybe it's just the age combined with the lack of experience. Maybe I'm too weird for a gay guy. Maybe I creep everybody out. I mean, the maybes is not scientific. and we've, I know we brought that up for a long time. I've known women that wanted to go out with them. So you're not if you know if a woman a normal straight. Woman. I could get him a date with an age-appropriate woman today. I just don't know a lot of gay dudes, uh, and any of the names that I bring up to Fez, he's not into. I know people have suggested people for Fez, mm-hmm. but he's passed on them. Like I don't think there's any any person that we've shown him that. Fez- well, see, here's the thing, Fez is like Anthony in the respect of wanting someone, you know, much younger. But Anthony has, like, game to go for it, you know what I mean? And Fez, if there's even, like, a negative thing, you know, forget it, that sends him in into a tailspin. Hey, coming up in just a little bit, the uh, great Graham Nash is going to be on the air with us. He's got a brand new book out called Wild Tales. If you are a classic rock fan, interested in that really cool London era, and then also the kind of 70s in the the California, Southern California scene, uh, 
Graham was involved in both of those. Um, and if you're in the New York City area, he's going to be signing books at the Strand Bookstore uh, in New York City Monday, September 30th at 7 p.m. I'm not ready for September to go by this uh, fast. I can't believe that Monday starts the Million Days of Christmas, where we give out a prize a day leading up to Christmas. A prize a show. This is exciting. A million days. A million days, a million uh, and every day a new prize. And that's when we start our Christmas music. We start decorating. We really get into it this year. Got to get a tree in here then. Yes. A real one too. I mean, it's probably going to die. We'll probably have to go through a couple of them. We're not going to do a real one. We're going to do something that's a favorite of mine, which is the cinnamon toast tree. <laughs> and it's a tree made out of cinnamon toast um, crunch. And here's the thing. Yeah. It's absolutely free, fellas, because I know the place that gets cinnamon toast crunch. All right? Let's just say I get a certain five-finger discount on it. <laughs> this is working out great for the million days of Christmas. So as for me, dogsies, anytime <laughs> that you get like that, you turn into the dogsy guy. You can't even help the dogsies. It's just fun to do. Hey, you guys ever gonna invite me on your show? Please come on the show any Saturday. Please come in. Please, Dave Max Sports Program, come in Saturday night. Fucking come in, and kill it. <clears throat> All right, we love it. As soon as I get a real invitation <laughs> and find out what we're talking about, a nice setup. Yeah. Not like, what's he here? <laughs> never, never. What's that fucking guy here? <laughs> I want to feel like a guest. You know. You'll be treated like a king. Come in. I want to feel like it's DMI, a Davy Mac interview. <laughs> Plus sports. The Weekender question is up. It's, what drug is the band? When you think of your favorite band, what drug comes to mind? Great prize. It's 2120 South Michigan Avenue on CD, signed by George Thorogood. Strange prize for that. Thought we'd have one of our spacier bands. Because I have the feeling George Thurgood never smoked a joint in his life. I just, after meeting him, George is almost like a baseball jock guy first and foremost. You know, I just have the feeling he never, he's just beer and whiskey and bourbon. But I don't, and even drink, I don't think he does socially. I think he drinks alone. Damn. With nobody else. In a lot of ways, this is almost like an unexpected beginning of the million days of Christmas. Exactly. It's a taste. This year, I'm going to get into Christmas. Yeah. And anyone who has a Christmas album is booked on this show. All the bad Christmas albums <laughs> are going to be booked on the show this year. All right, I'm going to let them know. You got Christmas songs, you're fucking here. You're here. Every other year, we break it down. We're like, okay, well, out of the million people put out, we'll take Darlene Love. You know? Mm -hmm. That's fucking class. But now everyone's coming in with Christmas music. And obviously, the to me, the snow princess of Christmas is the great Ronnie Spector. Who, I'm going to tell a little secret now, because it's too late. Yeah. 
when we were going to do the Fez and Patty wedding, Ronnie Spector was going to come and sing. Oh, God. I saw her in the fishbowl a little while ago with Brucey. It was like late in the day. And around the corner, I thought, like, they play music in the lobby. I thought it was like a recorded version. That's how good it sounded. And I thought they were just playing it really loud. What are you talking about? Like her singing. She was singing. Oh, she's in the phenomenal. Fishbowl. She's fucking phenomenal. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to break here when we get back. Uh, we're going to have Graham Nash, his new book, Wild Tales, is available in stores and online. Um, Graham will be signing books uh, in the, at the Fabulous Strand bookstore in New York City, which is really, to me, the last real bookstore Left in New York City, and it's been there. It's been there for a long time now, and I hope it. It it's it's the best bookstore in New York City, and by far, going in there is it's just great. Just even walking. And through but the for strand. years, it always pissed me off because some authors would go to the corporate bookstores, mm -hmm. and now that the corporate bookstores have gone tits up, Strand's still there. There's plenty of neighborhoods in New York City without bookstores now. Uh, the last one in my neighborhood just closed. I was pretty sad about it. I hate it. I like to have a bookstore to go to. Gone. I like to hang out at bookstores. It's nice. That's true. It's nice. It's nice to hang out at a bookstore. Well, good. I hope this one lasts forever because it's my favorite in the city. Um, and, uh, <coughs> are you okay? What the <laughs> fuck just happened? He's going to try to stifle a cough. It's very fucking weird. Uh, Graham Nash, his new book, Wild Tales, available in stores and online. Um, Graham is going to be signing books at the Strand Bookstore in New York City Monday, September 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be right back um, with him. It's the Ron and Fez Show. You're enjoying the Ron and Fez Show on Sirius XM's OP and Anthony channel. More in moments. Yeah. In the morning, when you rise, do you think of me and how you left me crying? Are you thinking of telephones and managers and where you got to be at noon? You are living.
song begins uh, Graham Nash's Wild Tales and uh, what a song it is Graham unbelievable isn't it a brilliant song it's a phenomenal song uh, but the story that you tell in the book how you came in heard the song had them replay it so you could start to figure out harmonies right and by the end of that song singing together the first time you guys really were Crosby Stills and Nash I think it was even earlier than that, Ron. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, 40 seconds into the song. We had to stop at one point and laugh. Because, I mean, you know, the Springfield and the Birds and the Hollies were good harmony bands. We, mm-hmm. we, we kind of knew what we were doing. This was something totally different, and we all knew it. The instant I was at dinner at Joni's house, David says to Stephen, Hey, Willie, you know, play Willie that song, right? And they did You Don't Have to Cry in two part. I asked them to do it again. I asked them to do it a third time. And the third time, I had the words down, I had the breath down, I had the phrasing down, the harmony down. Forty seconds it took for that sound of Crosby, Stills, and Nash to be born. And when it happened, you guys, the you know, you don't have the record deal, but, you know, you think to yourself, whatever we have to do to get to the point, this is where we're going. And everyone's leaving great bands yep. hall of fame bands yep but you were like i'm we have to follow yeah this I, other had to, I had to i you know once i'd heard that sound i knew what i had to do i had to go back to england i had to undo everything in my life my bank account my band my friends my equipment i left everything i left the hollies on december the 8th 1968 december the 10th i was in los angeles with david and Stephen. It's almost um, like uh, a guy who's married and bumps into a beautiful woman. And uh, <laughs> yes. What are you? What page are you on now, Ron? <laughs> but you. But that is a big part of your life that you instinctively will follow when you get these kind of feelings. My mother and father always taught me that. Mm-hmm. Follow your heart. You know what's good. You know what's bad. Follow your heart. It's very easy. And that's all I've been doing all my life. And when I heard that golden sound, I wanted it. Yeah. Um, 
But you know why that song was playing? We, you and I were just sitting, listening to the song itself, the lyrics. It was suddenly like there was a, you know, the way the 60s exploded. But then all of a sudden there was the second explosion in the late 60s where everything just felt like it leapt ahead. It was a gentle explosion, but yes. Yeah. Yes, the, those times were incredibly exciting, as as today is for me. Yeah. And I've always, I've always... I've always been excited with my life. I'm an incredibly lucky man. Look what I got to do with my life. You know, when I was, when I'd finished the manuscript, uh, manuscript of, of, of the autobiography, I, I, I looked down and I, 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 I swear I said, my God, I, I wish I was him. Right. Because it, it was incredible what I'd done with my life so far. And... In terms of not only are you doing these things, and by the way, I think it's really fascinating as you go through your own songwriting in here, which a lot of a lot of people tend to write about the crazy times or the creative. You put it all together. It's also like a travel piece. You're all over the world. But the amazing thing about your life, Graham, is that along the way, there's always new amazing people that you're meeting. It's a very Alice in Wonderland as you oh. follow through. There's characters everywhere. Perfectly put. Mm. Alice in Wonderland. I'm down the rabbit hole big time. Yeah. And I don't even have a ticket out, and I don't want a ticket out. And a big part of that came from you heard rock and roll when you were a kid and decided yeah, that's from it. Radio Luxembourg. It was a station in Luxembourg in Europe. And when the weather permitted, when the clouds weren't, you know, completely covering the sky as they normally are in England, uh, we'd get this uh, radio signal. And it used to uh, broadcast the American Top 40 every Sunday night at like 9 o'clock at night or something. Now, on Sunday night, you're supposed to be in bed getting ready for school, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I was listening uh, down my bedpost of my bed to the radio below, in the room below, where my mother and father were playing the American Top 40. And I could hear it through my bedpost. Wow. And that's why I think I love bass and I love bass drums, because they're the, the heartbeat of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from a very early age, I, was, I, I, I loved American rock and roll. So you were getting more of the bass and bass drum out of it, and probably somewhere in your mind adding your own melody. Absolutely, because yeah. I'd learned to sing three-part um, singing with the Everly Brothers records. Uh -huh. You know, we'd play Everly Brothers records, and you know, I, I, where, where could I go? Don mm -hmm. had the melody, Phil had the top harmony. Where do I go? I went on top of Phil. As a matter of fact, I have a story in the book yeah. that I'll just tell you. 1992, we're in Toledo, CSN are in Toledo, Ohio, and our gig is on Saturday. But we got there Friday morning. The phone rings in my hotel room. Yeah? Hey, it's Phil Everly. Phil, what the hell are you calling me for in Toledo, Ohio? He says, well, aren't you playing tomorrow? I go, yeah. He goes, well, we're playing tonight in the same hall. Do you want to come down to the show? So I get on the bus with the Everly Brothers, and I'm going to an Everly Brothers show. I'm in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. During the, you know, after sound check dinner, Don looks at me and he goes, okay, so what are you going to sing with us? I'm fucking dying. Right. This is my dream, right? And I'm, I'm being, you know, kind of cocky. I said, well, you know, I like that song so sad. Well, let's do that. I have a cassette of me singing three-part so sad with the Everly Brothers that is that thrills me to this day and this is a kid's dream you know what i mean in, in your mind as a kid you're the third everly brother yeah, that's right i was and, and going down the rabbit hole you get to 
eventually get to that yep. part. Yep. And we started uh, the Hollies. With, I started it with, uh, with my friend Alan Clark, who was mm-hmm. the lead singer of the Hollies, in December of 1962. And in April of 63, which is only four or five months later, we, uh, we cut our first uh, uh, single, which was Ain't That Just Like Me, which was a cover of a Coasters uh, mm-hmm. uh, song. Um, and we've never looked back since. But where do you get to go as these young kids? Because you guys are kids. It's one thing to cover songs and even understand the harmonies. But the writing, when did you guys start to figure out we can also write our own? When we figured out how much money was being made from Is the B-side right? of a record. Yeah, you know, because the A-side, when it gets played, there's a lot of money involved mm-hmm. in mechanicals and publishing and writing royalties, etc. But the B-side also got the same. And we were doing other people's stuff on the B-side, and finally we said, wait a second, why don't we write songs? Why don't we put our songs on the B-side? And that's what we started to do. And then we were trying to get good enough for one of our songs to be the A-side. Yeah. The very first A-side that we ever wrote that was our song was uh, We're Through, a mm-hmm. uh, Holly song. Yeah, so it was, a, it was financial, it was, it was money. So, that's so funny that it would be financial first, and then later... It you become serious. Obs- yeah, yes. you become obsessed yeah, with it. Of course. At what point did you say to yourself, "I've written a song that I know can stand the test, and, and I don't mind having it out there with everybody else's song"? It was a song I wrote in Split in uh, Yugoslavia when the Hollies were on tour in Europe, uh, uh, called "King Midas in Reverse." It's a great song, and uh, we made a pretty decent record of it. You know. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, it only got into the top 30 and didn't go like bouncing into the top five like most Holly singles did. And so the Holly started to uh, to not trust my uh, where I was going with music, what I thought that the Hollies mm-hmm. could do. Um, and that was one of the the first times that I thought, you know, I think I'm done with the Hollies. I have to move on because we were great at writing, you know, two and a half minute pop songs. You know, uh, we were good at it. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was there. And I was only there for six years, even though I started the band. I left in 68. Um, We had, I think, 18 top 10 records. And so when King Midas failed, meaning it only got into the top 30, they they started to not like me. And yet, that song is so perfect of that time. I think. I think it's a phenomenal song. If I was ever shooting a movie, I would go for that song just to say, here's exactly what that that wow. that time felt and sounded like. I, well, I think, stop making movies. Yeah, Come I'm on. going to. That's my next thing. Um, but uh, but here's another thing, Graham, that you go through this book. I don't know anybody else who was part of that that uh, London English invasion who also was at the ground floor of that Laurel Canyon uh, yeah. West Coast sound that got big. So it's like you caught this one giant wave and then the next giant wave. Yeah, even though I don't go in the ocean, I guess I'm a surfer. Yeah, you are. <laughs> when the when the wave comes along, you're ready for I'm it. I'm ready for it. I, but but what it is is I get moved. Mm-hmm. When I heard me and David and Stephen sing, my heart was moved to act about it. I mean, what well, I could have I could have gone back to England and forgotten that I'd sung "You Don't Have to Cry" with mm-hmm. David and Stephen. I could have gone, you know, I'm safe with the Hollies. Every record we make is going into the top 30, and this is fine. I'm content. That wasn't me. I wanted more. 
I wanted songs that, that spoke more than moon, June, screw me in the back of the car kind of songs. Right. And there's a, there's a lot of room for that. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, I was getting restless. And here you are with uh, these great singers, songwriters, the three of you are hitting it off, and the songs are just coming one after another. Everybody is writing great songs. Every one of us, yeah. uh, At the time, do you think, this is perfect, but then you guys add Neil to it. I mean, again... Who does that? Who I know. risk it? it? Well, you see, we'd, we'd made this, the you know, we perfected this three-part harmony sound, and uh-huh. we made that first record, you know. But it was a physical thing. What happened is that David uh, um, and, and, and I were content to let Stephen play most of the instruments on that first record. Mm-hmm. He played the lead guitar. He played the bass. He played the B3. He played piano, la, 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 la. I mean, me and David played guitar on our songs, you know, Long Time mm-hmm. Gone, The Lady of the Island, and Marrakesh, etc. Uh, but it was Stephen that played most of the instruments. Okay, now we make this great record. We realize we're going to have to play live. How are we going to do that when one of us... Stephen mm-hmm. played most of the instruments, so we knew we had to get another musician, right? David and Stephen were at uh, uh, our friend Armand Erdogan's house one night for dinner, and they were talking about, you know, we need this extra guy. And Armand said, "Well, I know who you should get." And Stephen said, "Who?" He says, "You need Neil Young." And that shocked Stephen because he'd mm-hmm. just been through madness with Neil with the Buffalo Springfield, and said to Armand, "You know, do you want me to go back there again? What?" But Ahmed understood that the chemistry between Stephen and Neil, particularly on guitar, where they duel with each other, mm-hmm. where, you know, one of them plays a, a, a riff and the other guy answers him, you know, better, and then right. Stephen answers him, you know. Um, that Ahmed understood the magic of that. And he understood that if we took that magic and put it with the magic of the voices, that that would be a very, very interesting band. And that's why Neil joined. And the strangeness of, you know, Harmony is all about cooperation. But then this other thing is competition. So you've got competition and cooperation at the same time. Yeah, but they still all belong, you know, begin with the same letter, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. So now that the band, is, and by the way, as you go through this, and it's, uh, it's wild tales, and it, these really are wild tales, there are so many characters coming in and out of your life, so many creative people, you yes. know, the, the Beatles are around when you're in England, Jackson Brown and uh, is there when you're in L.A. I mean, there's just, uh, and Joni, of course, yeah. but just phenomenal, great writers. And it was, a, it, 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 yeah. It's been a wild life. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, "Holy shit! Did, did all that really happen to me?" And it did, and it's continuing to happen to this day. But it, did it take you to this point in your life before you thought this is even a little unusual? You know what I mean? Like, despite when the, I looked at the manuscript, yeah, and thought about what it is that uh, that, that I that I'd done, um, I began to realize. I began to it began to be startlingly clear to me that A, I was a very lucky man and B, 
I had a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of balls to, to undo a very, very, very successful band, the Hollies, and leave it all and leave my bank account and leave everything and come and follow my heart with this sound that we had just created with David and Stephen. Um, and then, of course, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young gets ah, yes. so big. Yes. Uh, that's 74... Um, and wait till you hear that, Ron. Yeah. I'm 11 mixes from the end of a 40-song triple CD set of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young from our stadium tour from 1974. And that, that tour turned everything on its side. I mean, Ooh, everybody yeah. was like, now what do we do? With tours, well, how do we after, follow this? Yeah, yeah how right. does that you know, and that it made it bigger for a while. You guys are getting back together too to play at the Bridge School, right? Absolutely. Neil called me um, uh, uh, two weeks ago, and I had lunch with him yesterday here in the city. Mm-hmm. And he, he's very excited about uh, you know CSNY acoustic at the Bridge because when you strip songs down to their very essence, and you're only playing them with one, maybe two uh, acoustic guitars. They either stand up or they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, no amount of adding drums and bass and synthesizers and mixing and echo and all that can make a bad song into a good song. But when you strip the songs down to their very essence, that's when they really shine. And me and David and Stephen and Neil can shine. And I have a feeling in my heart that when Neil hears how good we are to this day, he's going to want to do more. Particularly because... It will be 40 years next year since the 74 tour. Mm-hmm. And there's 40 songs. So it's like 40 songs in 40 years. And I think, and Neil, I have been running everything past Neil, of course, because mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything to upset any of my partners. So I, I keep in constant contact uh, with Neil about uh, you know, his songs, how we're mixing them, what order we're putting them in. Um, but he's very happy about the whole thing. Um, David Crosby said that's a dream for you guys to go out one more time like that. Is, you think, uh, a possibility of one more possibility? You never know with Neil. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I can tell you is that Neil is a brilliant musician and he knows what we can add to his music. Right. He's not a fool. Well, that's the interesting thing. When you talk about the song stripped down, you'll go out and play on your own acoustically. You'll do it with you and David, uh, and then Stephen, uh, and then you'll do it with Neil. Suddenly, sure. I'm in four bands at once, Ron. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Dude. But it's all uh, those songs change each point along the way, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. Because we owe it to ourselves to keep fresh. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do our house the exact same way that I did it 45 years ago or however long ago it was. But we have a certain responsibility to our fans. And it mm-hmm. goes like this. We know how hard it is to earn money lately. We know what this economy is like. And the very fact that people will pay good money to come and see us is a great compliment to us. So we feel a responsibility to play some of the songs that they are expecting to hear, which is why they're there in the first place. At the same time, our fans know that they may hear a song that was written this morning, mm-hmm. and they love us for that. You, you, and that, that's never. There's no fear. No. But let's go out and do a new one. You bring this up during the last tour with Neil. I think it was 2006, where there Living was Living with war. Yeah, yeah, with the war in the background and some people disagreeing. Absolutely. With and for the first time in your life, you're seeing some walkouts. Yeah, ten percent of the audience, especially in the South, walked out. But 
they didn't walk out until almost three hours into the show when mm -hmm. we did Let's Impeach the President. Right. That's when they started to get upset. And we recognize, of, of course, that they have the absolute right to walk out. Mm -hmm. They paid for their ticket. If they don't agree, they're entitled to walk out. They're entitled to speak their mind, and God bless them. But it was only about 10% of, uh, of, of our attendances. Uh, which means that this generation that one time thought kind of the same thing about war, as they get older, some people get more conservative. Yeah. Well, we're bombarded and controlled so much by the media, mm -hmm. so much by, by, by how, you know, particularly George Bush was seen by the media. You know, it's like, you know, people think that Reagan was the greatest American president, and to me, it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that George Bush was a great president, and to me, he was a disaster. You know, and we need to speak our minds. But other people have the right to have a different opinion. Uh, Barack Obama was just talking about bombing Syria. Yes, uh, I know. And there was a guy that you were uh, behind. I will, and, and I'll be, and I'll vote. You know, well, he's not going to be up for yeah. the election, but I support Obama. But you have no problem coming out saying that you were against bombing Syria. There's, there's things I disagree with Obama about, and he knows it. I talked to him personally about it. Mm -hmm. There are things that that, he, that he's doing that that are, that are not right. There, this whole NSA thing, you know, the every single. I mean, this this broadcast that we're doing right now is probably being listened to people mm -hmm. you know every phone call every email every t every text you send they're listening to it all and he knows i'm against that he knows i'm against what happened to bradley manning you know mm -hmm. uh, but on the other hand look at the great things that obama has done right giving health insurance to 38 million more americans that couldn't afford it you know with this with his obamacare which is i don't quite understand what what the republicans have got against you know uh, you know supplying health care to three, to 38 million of their fellow human beings but anyway um you know the defense of marriage act uh, mm -hmm. you know he's done a lot of good things and it should not be uh, overlooked um I remember even after 9-11, you guys were on The Tonight Show, and you were saying that John McCain was there at the time. The, you are willing to work with people on some things. You have to disagree, compromise. Yeah, and disagree on compromise. others. Yeah. I don't agree with a lot of John McCain uh, mm. says and does. You know, this bomb, bomb, bomb Iran. I mean, bullshit. Right. You know? But at the same time, McC McCain has done some good things. So you have to compromise. We have to work w together. Right. And I think that's what we lose now, Graham. And I don't. I don't. I bring this up to you because, as much as you've been an artist, you've been involved politically. And I can't say that for all the artists. A lot of people just see themselves as entertainer, but you see yourself as helping to educate people, helping to get the word out for causes. And I think it's interesting that you are willing to say. Sometimes you work together. Sometimes you disagree, but it doesn't mean we're against each other all the time. Couldn't have said it better myself, Ron. Mm -hmm. uh, the book is, well, it's fascinating on so many levels. So many of them were saying um, from just what was happening in the world at the time. Uh, there's so many great names that go through it. But I love, Graham, the way you go through song after song and give us that mindset. I think people are interested in oh, how, how songs are born. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I've been asked, how do you write songs? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I know what happens to me. I see something that I have to speak about and I'll, I'll, and I'll reduce it to its essence and come up with a title 
well, now I've got a title. And then I go, wait a second, that melody that I was thinking about that I wrote two weeks ago fits these words today. Now I've got a first line. Now I need a second line and then I need a chorus. So it's kind of like building a house mm -hmm. with bricks, you know. But I don't know what that creative process is. I only know that I can't stop. And you follow that thing... Uh, whenever it comes up, right? I mean, there's whenever no kind of comes up. there's no kind of here's the set part of the day that I nope. write songs. No, life happens to me every single moment of my life. Uh huh. And you never know is tomorrow going to be another our house that there could be some song know. out there. You never know. Um, but but does it feel like you get it the same way that we hear it? You know, does it come to you as one whole piece? It it, it it's happened every single way. Every single, you know, a song starts with one word and one mm -hmm. beat, you know, and it's hap I've done it every single way. I've started with a kick drum only and built up a track and then written a song to it. I've, our house took me an hour to write, completely finish. Just a song before I go was 40 minutes. You know, mm. it, sometimes it comes all at once. It took me four years to complete Cathedral. That's fascinating. And not only that, do you have your own songs, but you were there when Stephen Stills shows up with songs, when Neil has showed. Yeah. And that has got to be, you know, that has got to be so exciting to hear these guys come up with some of these things and be there for it. I'm a lucky man. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, great wild tale. Graham Nash's wild tale. Um, you get the chance to go out and meet Graham in New York City. He is going to be on Monday, September 30th, 7 o'clock at the Great Strand Bookstore on the corner of 12th and Broadway. This is a fantastic bookstore where all, all the great writers have been over the air. What uh, an honor. Yeah. Uh, Graham Nash dot com uh and the great thing about Graham is that none of this is slowing down even slightly it might as well be 64 67 1970 still happening just as fast i'm rocking kid uh always great to have you come by here i Thank always you enjoy so much, it Ron. uh Graham nash's new book wild tales available in stores and online and make sure if you're in new york to go to the strand bookstore monday september 30th to get the book signed i'll see you next time thank you kid you who are on the road must have a code that you can live by and so become yourself because the past is just a goodbye Teach your children well Their father's hell did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams The one they picked the one you know by Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would cry So just look at them and sigh And know they love you Yep. This song's perfect for me as I stare at Shelby and... Yes, he's not ever going to come out, Chris, and tell us that he loves us. 
for being his radio parents. Yeah. But I know he does. Still, it'd be nice to get some verbal confirmation. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get the respect you've been looking for. No. But we've left our mark on him. Yeah, I hope so. Vito, on the other time, was gonna, on the other hand, was going to tell us every day because he's Italian and they love to tell you that they love you. That they're good people, the Italians. So just no, well, they're just they're more uh, demonstrative. I hugged you last week. You did, gay. <laughs> There's um, don't let the Brolo guy find out about that. I think that Italians feel okay about hugging either way. I'll hug anybody. Anybody you love the hug. hug. You Anybody love the hug. Hug, hug. You're like a big hugging guy. I hug the shit out of people. And you'll hug guys? I'll hug anybody. That's good. I'll hug babies. Would you hug a bear? Yeah, I'll hug a bear. You're gonna get killed one of these days <laughs> hugging different <laughs> animals. I worry about you. Fangs. Yeah. Can Would I, you hug a shark? Can I just hug different animals? Yeah. Like? You could be, we'll shoot something where you just keep hugging and hugging. How you doing in your film school? You keeping up? Because I know you, 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 you're here. And by the way, Everybody's crazy about you. You're just a sweet kid, and you're creative, and you're fun. I hope it all works out for you. But how's your film square, career holding up? It's going pretty good. I'm fourth year, so I'm doing my thesis project now. So what, like, what are you going to do it on? I'm, I wrote this movie about Bigfoot, mm -hmm. where this guy goes out looking for Bigfoot in Central Park every day. It's kind of like a mock, it's a mockumentary. Uh, goes out looks for Bigfoot every day, and then his like wife is like, you gotta you gotta start taking things seriously. And he's he messes up, doesn't go. Does to he really think the Bigfoots in Central Park? Yeah, he's convinced <laughs> Bigfoots in Central I'm gonna Park. I'm going to say this. I believe this is a fantasy. What? That, that that's the end of the. <laughs> no, I think that this film that you're making is a fantasy. I don't think Big, Bigfoot is in Central Park because yep. I've been all over Central Park. Um, there's one part of it that. Guys have been having sex with each other for over a hundred years. Did maybe you know that? Where, maybe that's where Bigfoot is. It takes place in the Ramble. Oh boy! You want to go out to the Ramble at night? You could get your dick sucked just the way a Civil War veteran could. <laughs> I'm not even making up those numbers. I and mean, that's just in the spot. Since word fucking one, <laughs> you know, boom. Fucking Grant would stagger out there drunk and get fucking jerked off by another dude. So why doesn't Fez go there? What is it he doesn't like yeah. uh, anonymous sex? Now, what films made you want to become a filmmaker? Uh, specifically, Back to the Future. Which one? one? Two uh, or three? One and one and one and two. Uh huh. Not I, three. Actually, I didn't hate three. I don't know why everybody hates three so much. I actually enjoyed three. I like the whole cowboy thing. Oh, I hate three just as much as one. Did you see Michael J. Fox when he was here the other day? Yeah, I went over there. Was that like one of the big things for you? Did you that get was, a chance to tell him? Seeing you in one, two, and three did it for me. No, because I don't want to. I don't want to talk to people. Smart. So just hug them. I don't. Wanna, I don't. I don't approach the. I don't approach the people I see. I just. I look at them, and I like. I'm like in my head. I'm like, yeah, I would like to go up to that. Like, I told you guys when I saw Chris Jericho, I was like, yeah, I would have been it. I like you. lost my shit. I wanted to. I wanted to be like, put me in the walls, bro. But I knew. Yeah, that, you know. I knew that I better. couldn't. I knew that that's not appropriate yeah. in the workplace. That's smart. It'd be bad. And you're a bartender too, so you don't even talk to your customers. No, you does not talk directly to people. That's great. All right, what other films did you love? Uh, Major League with Charlie Sheen is by far my favorite sports movie of all time. Mm -hmm. I was Rick Vaughn for Halloween. I the when you were a little kid. 
No, last year. Okay, that's uncomfortable then. <laughs> last year. All right. I was Movon for Halloween. And people did not see it at all. Why don't you just be fucking Mo? <laughs> well. Right, what other ones did I you like? Never. Uh, then when I was in high school, you I, saw, a couple times. I saw 500 Days of Summer. And that's, yeah. like what I, that what's, that's what cemented, like, oh, I'm going to go to film school. Now, do you know he was in here yesterday? Castro saw him. What's his name? Gordon Levitt or whatever? He was here? Yeah, I didn't see him. Castro came in and said, oh, I just saw Gordon Levitt. I guess he did Entertainment Weekly. Uh, and I think he did Howard and lied about having a girlfriend upstate in the <laughs> Niagara Falls area. <laughs> Howard, I can't talk about her, but she's really great. Really? Can we down and see a picture of her? No. <laughs> Weird. No way. Cat Joseph Gordon Levitt, catfish? I think he's the catfish. Um... I'm sorry, Joseph. So, uh, you would, uh, these are the films that you love. Now, Hicks, did you love 500 Days of Summer? No. Disliked hate it? it. Hate it. Yeah. Hate it with a passion. What, where are you on it? I have not seen it. <laughs> I hear people say they hate it. I'm more with you, though, Vitz. I thought it was a very well-made rom-com done in a different way than most rom-coms. And actually reminded me more like what young romance is like, not like a rom-com romance. But this is what happens when you don't pay attention to the other person. Uh, just the uh, the character of Zoe Deschanel playing just annoyed me so much. Disgust. It just it just filled me with disgust. I Every thought she was adorable. I mean, physically she's adorable, but she her character... did not like him as much as he liked her, mm. and she was upfront from the beginning. Yeah, he fell hard for her. That's the, but she, anytime he brought it up, she said, no, this is just us dating for right now. Yeah. But if you watch that film, you will be able to tell the people who hate women by the people who act like, she's a fucking cunt. But she was more the adult, and he was almost weirdly stalkerish, fantasizing about what he, you know, their relationship. His little sister said to him, like... You're not in love like you just. It's not love if she just likes the same weird shit that you do. And then this is what mm. fucking Hicks isn't even as smart as that little girl. And then oh, that if, little girl's retarded. I watched the commentary for that movie, and they even they even go the directors just go off. The directors and the writer go off at about like the little stuff, and that's what really made me love that movie. Like one of the reasons she breaks up with him is because the re they break up right after they see the graduate, and she was so disturbed that he thought they were happy at the end of that movie. That that's one of the reasons they broke up, and when I saw that, they I was like, "Wow!" Happy. At the end of the graduate. <laughs> oh, Chris Stanley, you fucking idiot! <laughs> Wait, but they were together. You fucking moron! He rescued her from that dude. Oh God, he what? fucked her mom. So, you don't even realize he fucked her mom. Wait, so he had both of the All right, I gotta rewatch the graduate. Yeah, you missed that part of it. <laughs> I fuck it. I feel silly. Um. So, you like uh, Gordon Levitt, but you hate it, Zoe Deschanel. Didn't like Deschanel. And the end of the film, the very end with the fucking whole spoiler alert, the whole fucking autumn thing. That just I just threw my that hand. That was just one cute throwaway line. I, don't I mean, we're doing million days of Christmas. <laughs> That's kind of hacky. But for the next million days, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Prize time. Until it is indeed Christmas. Every day, you're going to get a prize. Uh, we'll have some kind of game, some kind of game show, some kind of 
call-in, some kind of Twitter game. But every day we will have a prize. Million days of Christmas. And this year we will get the Christmas spirit. I've never had the Christmas spirit before. Ever in my life. You're going to have to get it injected in for the million days of Christmas. I'll just, I'm going to get it from the million days. Because it's starting to feel Christmassy around the city right now. You know? The leaves are turning. You start to get that Christmas, it's like, you know, feel. You start thinking of presents and yeah. pumpkins um, carving. Yeah. You start thinking about, like, blood pudding and goose, cooked goose. It's 70 degrees out. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Weird. It's almost like, you know, the Rudolph is going to be shining a nose for people. It's not even October. I'm going to buy everybody something great this year, too. Oh, that's cool. Um, starting Monday. Starting Monday. Million Days of Christmas. Exciting. What movies do you hate that most people like? Um, well, I know, I know mo it's not like most people like this, but there's a few movies I saw. Like, There's only a few movies I really fucking hated like with a passion give me one one was that movie with paul rudd and uh owen wilson how do you know i've never been as mad at a movie in my life mm. as that when did this one even come out nobody out, like, saw it, it was, nicholson was in it too yeah. it was nobody oh i didn't see that oh i thought <laughs> it was the movie. worst thing ever like, i wanted to, i was hoping he'd say like citizen kane but well, i actually i i didn't know we were talking about like those kind of movies uh, I actually went on a rant in a class because we were watching Potemkin and I wasn't paying attention. The teacher was like, get off your phone. I was like, I'm on my iPad. Smart. And then he goes, he goes, you need to pay attention to this movie. And I've, I've seen like Potemkin like six times because it's one of those movies they make you watch all the time and I just went off a rant. I was like, go fuck yourself. I'm not watching Potemkin anymore. <laughs> it's a stupid goddamn movie. It means nothing to me. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's just a boat. Like, I, I went off on the movie and... I got called you, Potemkin Kid for the rest of the year. And what does what does your instructor say when you tell him to go fuck himself? He just started like yelling back at me, and I just we gotta watch out for him because we thought he was a sweetheart, but he's ready to fucking throw it down. He so, might snap on us. Don't make me watch fucking Potemkin. We're all good guys. We might. That's the first prize for a million days of fucking Christmas. Potemkin. Yes. Yes. Signed. <laughs> uh, why do they keep making you watch it? Because it's one of those movies that's considered like a classic, I guess, uh -huh. in the film world, and I just, I never want to watch it again. Um, Chris, is there a movie that everybody loves that you don't care for? Oh yeah, okay, it's uh, it's with the the third Olsen sister. This thing got huge amounts of praise, and people and and multiple people said you gotta see this movie. It's fantastic. Is it the one with all the names? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Mary Elizabeth. No, then. Like oh, Marthy, Martha, Marcy. Yeah, that's the one. It was on cable. I haven't seen it yet, though. Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Mm. Horrendous giant piece of shit. This thing. Spoiler alert, because I don't. You should. No one should see this. Um, <laughs> it takes the fucking Charles Manson story mm -hmm. and makes it boring and shitty. Well, it's, that's hard to do. It's fucking. It should be impossible. John Hawks is wasted in the fucking film. Speaking of which, that reminds me of something we should get signed. We should get something signed by Manson for a million days of Christmas. Why well, we? I can. We can take a trip out to Cali. No, you just send him stuff. Oh, he'll he, sign yeah, it. Yeah, he'll sign. He'll draw pictures on it. He'll do whatever. What else is he doing? Yeah, right. he's doing just sitting in a fucking. 
refrigerator box all day. Freaked the fuck out. Maybe doing pull-ups and shit. Sign a copy of Potemkin for us. <laughs> Don't fucking bring up Potemkin <laughs> again. Why are you it. laughing at him over the Potemkin? You fuckers. Stop it. Stop with the Potemkin. What about you? A movie everybody else loves that you hate. I did not really understand the hype of The Big Lebowski when I saw oh, it. What? What did you say? God. Why do you got to run down the Coen brothers? Jesus! I, mean, I thought it was good, but people like worship it. Yeah, there's Lebowski Fest. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Alright, when this one just got sent in to me uh, by a listener, do you agree or disagree? The Departed. I liked The Departed. I liked The Departed. I did not think it was an Oscar winning film, though. Well, they gave it to him because they didn't give it to him before. Right. That's a stupid reason to give stuff to people. <laughs> That's almost like it's your turn. Your brother won last time. We know we're, co we're constantly wrong in the films we give awards to. But I will. Like, now I don't like Shelby as much no. since he ran down a Coen Brothers film. That is. And the uh, Lebowski? Yeah. That's the fucking one he chooses to run down? Yeah. You're a real asshole. So that, Jeez. you know. <laughs> We could do this without name calling. I mean, it's okay to feel that he's an asshole. I have to, but to call him one makes him look like even a bigger asshole. He deserves to look like a bigger asshole. There's no way you, no one, you cannot look like a giant asshole saying Lebowski sucks, which is what he said. Let's see if we can guess what Pips, a film that everybody loves, but Pips doesn't. The one that comes to mind is every time I've dated a girl in my life, there was always that one movie that we had to watch together. It was the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. The Notebook. Say that's you got every right to hate it. That's something, yeah. you know. I get the kind of girls that you would date would like the Notebook. Did you like the Notebook? I'm actually all about Ryan Gosling. If oh I could pick God. one best friend, who is it? Ryan Gosling. Well, he lives here in the city. Have you yeah, ever I know. Really I want to like, run into him and be like, and I feel like if we ran into each other, I'd be like, hey, man, you want to get like a beer? And he'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, let's get a Molson's because he's Canadian. And then we go to the bar, we have Molson's, and then we'd be best friends. But you've thought about this too much. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of detail. Yeah, maybe one thing that, like, if that happened, I would be like, wow, that's kind of cool. But now that, now even if it does happen, I'll be like, that weirdo planned this. <laughs> right down to the Molson. Look at that guy. He's the coolest yeah. guy in the you world. You like that? Mm. You like that, don't you? All right. What, Let's what, not what start you, gay bashing. What are you trying to say? JR, you're on the Run of Fez show. Has that little shit ever even seen the Big Lebowski? <laughs> the Big Lebowski we're talking about in the same sentence as the Notebook and those other shit movies? Mm. Oh, my God. I'm a hick from Oklahoma, and I know that's the best stoner movie ever. I'd like to beat the shit out of him just for that. I'll you know fuck what? Fuck you up. You know what? If you beat him up, you would be uh, arrested for child endangerment. <laughs> um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We got talking about movies that everybody loves, and you don't. Here's Teddy in Pittsburgh. You're on the Run Fez show. Ronnie B, what's going on, brother? Yeah. Uh, Big Lebowski, best comedy ever, by the way. But mine, I had to watch it a couple times in, in film school, and it was Dr. Strangelove. Uh, never got it, never understood it. Uh, it just seemed weird to me. What did you think of it? I think it's fucking genius. It could be his best fucking film. I think it's probably, it, it goes back and forth for me between my favorite of his and my second favorite, depending on. 
I mean, that thing was fucking. It's a shot master. beautifully. It's hysterical. It's honestly frightening because this kind of thing could go wrong at any time during your lifetime. The yeah. world could be over because of a bombs. Um, what about that upstream color that you were just like going crazy about? And I hated it. Can you give me a slight semblance of an idea of what is going on in the film? <laughs> before Who are you talking to me? To the director, if he's listening. The director came in and did the show. Yeah. He's a fucking fascinating guy. Love Shane this Carruth. is gonna. Uh, it's a fucking also a brilliant film. But there's a reason that you don't fit in, and people haven't embraced you here, Shelby. <laughs> and it's fucking statements like that. It's statements like that from what. When you do that from to fucking friends of the show, uh, you know you you cost us a comedian friend, and mm. I like that. Uh, yeah, there's a reason that you won't get over the fucking hump. Uh, Chris, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey guys, yeah. hey guys. Uh, you brought up The Departed. Uh, I thought it was a solid movie till you got to the end, and DiCaprio's there with Damon, and he runs out of the police station. And he tells him to come out to take back. That's where it all got fucked up. Here's Grant and PA. You're on the Running Fez show. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, I get it. I'm not it a huge fan. Not a huge fan of that. And thought some of the, the drug scenes didn't remind me of drug sick at all. Also not a fan of traffic. Um, Chris, the teacher. You're on the Running Fez show. What's up, boys? Yeah. Uh, Kill Bill stinks. And I also want to know if um, Centaur jerks off to Bambi. Here, let me tell you something. You stink, and Centaur jerks off to you and your children. That's right. Wait. We got it. <laughs> Wait, no. Don't worry. No, no. <laughs> Dump out that last part, please. Hey, please. Hey, what? I just put my thumbs up to you. <laughs> no. Let you know, our team won. No, no. That's one for us. They think I'm a pedophile now. we it even with fucking Shelby. Christ. You're a loose little fucking cannon. You're like a loose derringer, you fucking tiny little prick. <laughs> what the hell's going on with this fucking... Come on. None of us went crazy about it. Uh, Blowhard. Blowhard, what do you hate? Anything past 75? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, um, did you guys check out the Marvel uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet? Yeah, I tried to watch it. Yeah, it's on again tonight if you want to see it it's again. It's seven years old. Yeah, all right. The movie I hate, and everybody on this channel raved about it, was Red State. It was a second-rate slasher film. It had no political, nothing political about it with the name Red State connected to it. It was just about a, it was a slasher film, and everybody raved, oh, you got to see Red State. Oh, Kevin Smith is brilliant. And I sat here, and I was just so disappointed. I expected something a little deep, something a little... You know, you just a little it. more than just a slasher, a bunch of like... You loved it. It was just like, it was like the Westboro Church, you know? It was just... And again, Kevin Smith, the overrated Kevin Smith. It's All right, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it. Kevin Smith's brilliant. Andrew, you're on the Ron and show. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Um, I might need to go back and rewatch it, because I'm, I'm trying to think of what I hated about it so much, but I really didn't like The Wrestler, and that got a lot of... How dare you. When it came well, out. here's the only thing. I did not like the daughter connection. I thought was a little stereotypical. But most of the wrestler, I thought, was just uh, brilliant. Um, Kyle, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, hey, Ronnie. How you doing? Good, man. I uh, cannot stand the movie Crash. It is super preachy, and everybody talks about it like it's such a great film. I think it's shit. Stinks. 
I think it's shit yeah. that yeah. has sat in the sun for a long fucking time. Dried shit? Um, I never enjoyed 2001 Space Odyssey. Go sit next to fucking Shelby. <laughs> Why do people have to sit and run down the really great stuff? <laughs> I'm sure you have the intellect to figure out what he... Oh, oh. Yeah. Don't worry, there's wrestling and cartoons on in the other room for the kids. Uh, Barney, you're on the Run of Fez show. Wrestling. Hey, boys. I'm calling to say that the worst movie ever made was Titanic. It was horrid. You know what? I'm, all, I'm already back to, of course it's not the worst movie ever made. Should it won the Oscar? No. Is it the worst movie ever? No. This has a lot of hate. Because uh, that was and also because it made more money than everything else, and girls liked it. But I, I also the backlash has gotten too bad. And that was peak Leonardo DiCaprio hate too. Like when fucking people, when dudes yeah. were like, "Fuck that guy, that guy's a homo." <laughs> I have a lot of issues with it because that came out when I was like in kindergarten, and my mom took me Jesus. to see it like three times. Because she, mom, single mom, she like she wanted to go see a movie. I had to go with her. I saw Titanic three times in kindergarten. And that was like, it's a three-hour fucking movie. Did you ever get to, do you know your dad? Yeah. Well, don't act like it's a fucking bad thing. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What about You him? keep bringing up single mom, I just got curious. Oh, oh no, he's he's deceased? Well, join the dead dad's clubs, that's all we have around here. Let's go, guys. What happened? Shot running from the cops? Lung cancer. Jeez, mm, oh. I don't even like to hear about that. That was a downer. Yeah, I don't even like to hear about that, because that could happen to anybody anytime. But I also didn't hey. know Titanic was a true story, so that was like a real shock ending for me as a little kid. Okay. <laughs> I can could, I could get that. Uh, Mike, in Long Island, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey, gentlemen, I, I just can't take Apocalypse now. I, I tried to watch it. <laughs> uh, here's Director Shasta. Hey, Ronnie, million bucks. Hey. Uh, so I got Forrest Gump because I hate it because it really overshadows Shawshank Redemption, and I've never liked American Beauty, and I don't think it holds up. Um, you're probably right about both of those. When I was in high school, I became obsessed with fucking um American Beauty. Yeah, loved it. But then you know, watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Did, were you happy the time she came in here? Yeah, that was fucking that wrong. There, <laughs> <laughs> it was. That was a nice day. Like a little chipmunk with a fucking bubble ass. I think Donnie Darko's kind of overrated as well. Get the fuck out, seriously. Go. Get the fuck out. Go. Leave the fucking out. room. Leave the room. Get out. Shelby, leave. Get out! Shelby, leave, for real. Take him out of the room, boys. I don't know why everybody's just sitting there. I don't want, I want him in the hall and out. Uh, we got a break in a moment. And then Vito's got a bit that he's done on... Um, Conan O'Brien and all the great people that come on for the show. Nice. How, how does Shelby get into this room? I don't know sometimes. Crazy shit he says. Tim, you're on the Run of Fest show. Uh, you guys are probably absolutely going to hate me for this, but I cannot stand Spinal Tap. I'm not listening to you. Eric, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, boys. I know I'm going to get beat up for this one, but I've tried watching it several times, and The Shining is just so drawn out and boring i can't watch it why do i have such an asinine stupid show that when we're talking about this topic three people would attack stanley kubrick three fucking dunces on the same day that should never happen in the world no wonder davy mack had to walk out of here 
I'm not a fan of The Dark Knight. Well, nobody should be. It's stupid. I think it's the most overrated movie of all time. It and stinks. I think it's it just it just stinks except the for the Joker. For Heath Ledger to come out. Yeah, it's all the about the Joker. You're just like, oh, where, like, where's the, when's he coming back? Yeah, yeah, just come back. Yeah, <laughs> the first one was the best one in the trilogy. I thought and there was somebody put up a thing. No, that's stupid talk too. Somebody put up a thing where he it was just the Heath Ledger scenes. Yeah, and they put it up on like online, and you're like, yes, this is a great movie. Yeah, that part of it's great. Uh, Todd, you're on the Running Fast Show. Hi, uh, Ron. How are you? Uh, lost in translation. Big. I'm sure you had something stupid to say. How do you hate Lost in Translation with fucking Mr. Bill Murray? Bill the man was nominated Murray. for that. Bill Ghostbusters <laughs> motherfucking Murray. We got a break here? Yeah, we got a break. We come back. Let's do your Conan bit. Conan O'Brien. Coco. Coco, Team Coco. What do you mean by that, Team? What do you mean by Team Coco? Like, like when he went up, when he got in trouble, when he lost the show, people formed Team Coco to support Mr. Conan O'Brien. With Coco, mm, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like a hashtag, and there was like a picture that went around on the internet. Mm -mm, I don't go on the internet. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I have an Atari, and it doesn't fucking. <laughs> do you get Netflix on that? No. Uh, you can't stream instantly. Uh, uh. I have Pong. All right. And we gotta we gotta get you fucking up to speed, man. There's this whole fucking world out there on the computer. I don't like the computers. I think you're gonna take. It's ever since 2001. I, that reminds me. Why is Fez in here? Get out. No. Get out. But you did have a hell of a show today. You were all over the place. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Crushed it today. Not really. You're not going to get a pound for that. But seriously, you had a great show. Take five now. Take a little time for yourself. Shower off with Shelby. Let's break. We'll come back and talk Conan and Brian. It's the Ron Fest show. Ron Bennington. Right. All right. Tez Wally. Yeah. This is the, the Ron and Fez show. I light the fire. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today Staring at the fire for hours and hours while I listen to
of the day Mr. Graham Nash our buddy um, you'll be able to go over and get something signed by him if you're in New York City at the Strand Bookstore September 30th at 7pm The Strand if you don't mind some of the books being on the floor now uh, Vito is the only person not kicked out of the studio today and even during the, the break yeah uh, Shelby tried to come back in. Mm. You rethrew him out. Yeah, I rethrew him out. Yeah, and he was using like a pretzel, as if it was like a, a fun cigar. Yeah, I guess he got a snack for himself while he. Uh, I was surprised he didn't sit down and just didn't try to, you know, man up once in his life and make that move. Anyway, uh, but even though he's gone, Vito, you put together something for us single-handedly called what? It is called Conan's Illegitimate Children, 10 Stars and Their Late Night Beginnings. Now, I'm actually a really big Conan O'Brien fan. Uh -huh. He got me interested in comedy when I was a little kid. Uh, I used to, before I even know his name, I, I called him the weird guy with the crazy hair. Right. And I would even try to do that in the mirror. But that's not the point. The point is that there's 10 stars that actually got their start working on Conan. Okay. Way back in the day. Now, Chris, do you think that you would even know all these, that these people, because I'm probably going to be pretty much surprised about this. I don't, I, I know Conan and Andy. I don't know, I didn't know much about his staff ever. Okay, let's go through. All right, so first we got Bob Odenkirk, who everybody right now is all over because he's on Breaking Bad. Everybody's show is Saul Goodman. And he started on Conan as one of the writers. That's, I wonder if it's weird for Odenkirk. Because like, well, Breaking Bad is about four or five years old. He had like he's had like a long, long career like in comedy and just being hysterical. And he's brilliant. got something even pre-Conan. I think he was uh, a Saturday Night Live writer before Conan. And uh, and now everyone just knows him as Saul from fucking Breaking Bad. Are they doing the spinoff with Saul? Yeah, gotta call Saul. It's, it's, that it's, show I am gonna watch a lot. Hell yeah, Odenkirk's the man. He's hysterical. Mr. Show, he had a really good spot on The Office. I don't know if you guys saw that episode where he played like the uh, the other Michael, basically. Oh yeah, I did yeah. see that. He was pretty good on that episode. Uh, were you familiar with Mr. Show? No, I've never seen it, but I knew what it was. You're so young. I am so young. <laughs> what he says when I he got, Conan's what got me into comedy when I was a little kid. Fuck. This is it. This is what happens when guys are younger than you. Would it make you happy if I said Carson? If I was like, I'm over here like, oh man, Johnny Carson, <laughs> yes, guy of the shit. It would make me feel better. But see, Veets, here's the problem with Veets. He looks like a man. Yeah. But he's a, he's still a kid. He's a youngster. Yeah, but if we need somebody to get served, we're going to send him. <laughs> uh, what do you got next? All right, then we got Mr. Big Shot right now, Louis C.K., who's killing it everywhere. I'm a big Louis C.K. fan, too. Uh, you got to love the guy who directed Pootie Tang. He's great. Yeah. But Louis C.K. was also a writer on the late night yeah, show. I know with that Conan. he said this the other night when he was on Conan, and that thing made the made the rounds. It was actually very very funny. Uh, who do you got next? Amy Poehler from SNL fame was showing up on sketches because you know Conan always does that. These I didn't bits. know. I had no idea about. Uh, I thought this was just uh, TCB. 
taking care of business. <laughs> Wait, no, you see me. You see me? <laughs> <laughs> Is she in Elvis's crew now? Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I wish. Seriously, I wish Shelby was here with that. Ah, uh, but he's never around anymore. She I was wish Fez. <laughs> Fez. Fez stayed out too, and well, he likes not to. Fez, Fez stayed out, and I, I, I dumped fucking Shelby out the second time. <laughs> Fez is very happy not to be in here. I would have thought they both would come busting back in. Say, no, we got to be here. All right, what do you got next? We got Rob Riggle. Love Rob Riggle. Did not know he started with Conan. Yeah, he was in a bunch of the sketches, just like Miss Amy Poehler showing up. We got a video up on the eye bang of him in a Tarzan outfit. Some of these, uh, if you want to go over to the iBang and play the YouTubes, they're up on there as well. Um, I, I don't know a, a time that Rob Riggle did not make me laugh. He's a brilliant dude. Everything he ever does always cracks me up. Step Brothers. Mm hmm Daily Show. Yes, everything. <laughs> that, that fell under my everything thing. The Jay Moore Show. Mm-hmm. All right. All yeah, great. Yes, yes, Vito. Rob Riggle. Then we got after Rob Riggle, we got Robert Schmeigel, which most people know. Robert Schmeigel, Robert yeah. Schmeigel was on it, but Triumph. Who doesn't love Triumph? The insult dog, like. And didn't he also invent that thing where, like, they'll bring in Clinton and just the mouth will move? Yeah, 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 that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> brilliant. All right, after that we got a few people who are from the same little group. You could say we got first John Krasinski, Jim from The Office. What? What did he do there? He was an intern. Oh, that's nothing. Interns mean shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck interns. <laughs> the interns are so shitty. Interns well, are so shitty. I don't shitty. know if you could say... Yeah, I mean, if they would have put him on the show as an intern, like you're doing, then yeah, they should take some. But if they just had him seat people and that's it, yeah, but I guess he was around seeing how the comedy was done. You know what? I changed my mind. Interns, can, in, interns are people too, and you know what? We're banding together. And we're planning something big, so I'm just going to put that out there. Good. You and Castro. By the way, you're going to be carrying Castro, whether you like it or not. <laughs> After John Krasinski, we got Ellie Kemper, who is Aaron in the later seasons of The Office. And she was on the show. Like you She's were just one of my favorite her. people. I had I no clue. Her funny and sexy and weird and peculiar. Who are you texting with? Booking. What's going on? Got a big name? No. Small name. There's just some names. They want to know if they can get you into some guy who saw The Godfather 17, ti <laughs> 17 times. He, he wants to come in and talk about The Godfather. Well, after Ellie Kemper, mm -hmm. we got Mindy Kaling, who was also an intern. Do you like the Mindy Kaling um, the show? get together? Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like the Mindy Project. I actually, I'm, a, I'm moving away from the NBC Comedy Thursdays and really moving towards the... Fox lineup on Tuesdays. I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine a lot. I really like New Girl. Mindy Project is great. The only one I'm not really feeling is uh, Dads. I'm... I haven't seen the Dads yet. Um, the only thing that I know on NBC, though, is going to be Parks and Rec. Yeah, and I will be watching that tonight. I love Parks and Rec, but that's pretty much like there's no more Office. That's yeah, but you don't even know what the new shows well, are, right? Gonna, we I'm haven't seen them yet. Them. Yeah, it's just Michael J. I'm going to watch Michael J. Fox's show. I'm He's not the one who got you started in the film yeah, school. I got owe him. You, yeah, I owe him. Family, like Mr. Family Ties. I, I have a song from Family Ties on my iPod. That song at this moment. What would you do? All right, Chris Stanley. A dollar if you can tell us who did that song. The Family Times song. 
No, family time song, he just says. <laughs> Who dies? This moment. Uh, Billy Vera. And the? Uh, Blue Notes? No, no my friend Beaters. Beaters? The Beaters. That thing ran, that thing from beat on that show went to number one, and he was like a, you know, like kind a, of a lounge act. They found him in a lounge act, they just heard it, yeah. and then they thought it would be perfect. Michael Bublé does a nice cover of that. I like Michael Bublé. Well, you like him Guy's a lot. Guy's phenomenal. Huh? Michael Bublé is phenomenal. I don't know, Guy's got a voice of an angel, I don't know you guys. How are. about when Chris Stanley says this, do you mean the Family Time song? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. couldn't have been fucking wronger about anything, <laughs> and you kicked those other guys out? I kicked, I kicked Shelby out. I want those other guys to come back in, even though they've shown no respect to us by walking out. Right. What else you got? I got one of my favorite comedians, Mike Birbiglia. Um, for he any... got started on that show. Yes. He was... Do you see his Sleepwalker movie? No, but I actually saw the pl the one-man show back when it was here in New York. Do you love it? I loved it. I I love Mike Birbiglia. I think he's one of the funniest comedians out there. I've been a fan for a few years now. Out. Seriously. Out. What anyway, <laughs> anyway, I want to see if they'd keep coming. <laughs> that was uncomfortable. What else you got? And then last and least, and I don't know if he's least. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that about old Jack McBrayer, but he was. Uh, everybody knows Jack McBrayer, Kenneth the Page from The Office. Well, he was Jack the intern over on Conan. Not intern. He was in sketches. Jack the sketch guy on Conan. I thought he was. Uh, an intern, and then later played an NBC intern. Played an NBC page later on. Mm -hmm. As Kenneth the Page on 30 Rock, which I'm not a very big fan of 30 Rock, but... I am. I like it a lot. Oh, Vito. Am I going to get kicked out now, too, because I said that? No. But yeah, Jack McBrayer was on it. He was in a lot of sketches. Appeared in over 80 sketches in his time there. Conan, hell of a fucking crew. Um, yeah. Let's send the boys back in, though, because okay. we're going to end for the week. We are not working tomorrow. Do you, have you picked the best of yet? Or I know that you wanted to do <laughs> Fez and the Zanuck strip, yeah. but he was concerned that if there was a lot of him on the air, then people would call for him and say, how come you're not on the air more? You were great on that best of show. Get out, you two. I thought we were asked back. No, you're in. Only one of you. Really send them back in, Pips. So, God, what are the best ofs tomorrow? Oh, we have um, Fez railing against Vegas gay ads. We got some gay talk. I didn't remember that. Yeah, there was like some gay positive. Oh, yeah. Y'all know it's time for some of that gay talk. Oh. Where's the kid? Go find him. Gotta find him. So what else you got? Oh, uh, Mo the time uh, Molly um, went up to the Disco Biscuit show and she had to uh, deal with her fucking drug addict friends. Now was she already up there when she called? Th this was her, no. This was her about to go up there. Okay. And was, you know trying to get her to not go. <laughs> the time I thought there was going to be a bacon shortage. And which I guess didn't happen, but at this the time... doesn't seem like best stuff. Seems like shit. It's not shit. It's all fucking hot is what it is. It's going to be a great best up tomorrow. You missed out on it. Fucking Vito just dropped this fucking really cool comedy bit on us that you would have loved to have been part of. 
sounds great. And Fez, you missed out on it too. For the last eight years, we've been doing shows. Um, is there something that you want to say right now to us about movies? I'd like to say, you know what's overrated? The Godfather. Like, the enough talking. Fucking leave! Get, 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 get out! Get out! I'm gonna throw something! Fez, you're with him for not having anything. Go! Go. Both of you. The balls! Vito, put your legs out and enjoy all three chairs. You stretch out. You, you're you a good intern. He is a good intern. I'm a great intern. But he's also a really good kid. You say I'm a great intern, it makes you sound like a dick. So cut that shit out. What we were just talking about when you weren't here was the chicken parm sandwiches <laughs> that Pit Doc brought. Oh my god, were they good. Mmm. But you ate a meatball sandwich, huh? Fucking awesome. I've been talking about that thing for two weeks now. Here's the weird thing. I was looking for the meatball, bit into the chicken parm, and someone said, no, this is meatball. I'm like, no. <laughs> I want this chicken parm. You missed out, man. No, I'm telling you. It was the best chicken parm sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. I'll bring in Leslie Kalise's chicken parm. And you guys will never... Who's this? Who's this? Who's, that's my mom. My last name is Khalees. I didn't know this. God well, what it. kind of roll does she put it on? Put it on Italian. Bread. Like a hard roll? Like a nice Italian roll? Yeah, like sausage roll. Okay. I feel that. Your mom's that good? Yeah. How long has your mom been a widow? Yeah. Uh, 96. So. She date? Not Maybe. Italians don't like to date after someone dies. Wow. They didn't, she actually had a boyfriend for like 10 years. Did you hate him? No. You no. should have. <laughs> you know my real dad, Steve. <laughs> you, you can't tell me what to do. Steve. I'm sorry, Steve. I'm not perfect. <laughs> hey, Steve, I was here before you, and I'm going to be here after you, too. <laughs> Steve-o. Why don't you go eat some more food, Steve? Because you're a food eater. It was great here before you came over, Steve. Go into my room. The war in Vietnam is wrong. No? I don't know what that meant. You're fucking crazy. Yeah, he's a kind of weird kid. <laughs> I know. He's I'm, promising homemade chicken farms. That's I'm, cool. I'm the main event. I stop it. I'm going to keep calling that's myself silly, that. That's silly talk, though. That's what? the kind of shit that non-witty people do when they'll just get a hook and say it over and over. You're an actual funny kid. And do me a favor. Work with Shelby. Maybe he'll be able to come up with some kind of a Conan bit like I that. know, right? That's very interesting and formative. Remember, they have the Weekender signed George Thurgood on the line. What drug is the band? Um, That's on the iBang. Four outs. See you guys back here on Monday, but enjoy the best of... Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. 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 Uh, that's the end of my show. Uh, that's the end of my show. Uh, that's the end. Uh, that's the end. Uh, that's the end. Uh, that's the Dish Network, they're the home of the Hopper. The Hopper, it's the only DVR system that you will ever need. Why? Because it does a billion things more than the other DVR systems do. Better than anything you're going to get with a cable system. Dish Network and the Hopper. You can watch your programming anywhere you want, anytime you want. Every room becomes a TV room. Because what you do is you pre-record your Hopper, then you have your shows loaded, then watch them on your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet. 
anywhere you are, that's where your TV is, thanks to the Hopper from Dish Network. It's Prime time anywhere with the hopper from Dish Network. Dish Network, 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV for Dish, Dish Network, and the hopper.